<laughs> Thank you. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun, boys. Oh, mom. Hey, moms are the best. Moms are the best. Shout out to moms. <laughs> Shout out to moms. You ready? Call your mother, guys. She'll love it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I love that term, think tank. Think tank. I mean, you even know what a think tank is? Like, how's a think tank go, Jim? Yeah, you know they got cancel culture nowadays. You gotta watch what you say. It's getting, it's getting real scary out here. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if I can take the conversation here, but we might as well. It's the rethink tank. Looks like you had a little bit too much to think here in the rethink tank. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and thanks for joining me again. We're enjoying the beautiful summer Ohio weather. I think we're turning a corner. It was a little bit rainy today, so I didn't think we were going to get out here, but look at how perfect. When you hit all four seasons in a day, that's what it's like to live in Cleveland. It'll be gorgeous even when it's it's bad weather in the morning. So we're going to seize this beautiful day and uh, enjoy a, a good episode with my good friend, Paul McCreary. Brother, how are you? My good. Attorney, brother. Happy to be back. Paul, it's a pleasure. Here's the beauty of having you on the podcast, and I mean this sincerely. One, you are, um, don't take this the wrong way, some people, but you're in the rarity of guests where they come in with their own new slew of information. Most of the time, I got to bring the Pushing ideas. Pushing the liberal agenda. And, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. But what's great is that, um, one, I have a lot to learn from you, and that's a ben- benefit you bring because that's what I want here. Challenge ideas. I just want to be liberated from my ignorances. I don't need to prove myself right. But also, I can challenge myself with somebody from a different perspective. It is wild to me, Paul, how difficult it is to get, I'm just going to say it, liberal-esque people, de- de- people that call them liberals, Democrats, because I'm sorry, this is going to really hurt Democrat people, but I am a liberal. I self-proclaim myself a liberal. What are you going to do about it? But I am a liberal. So the beauty is not a lot of Democrats are willing to come out of here and talk. And I have a, I always learn so much from you. <laughs> and you're comfortable with really wrestling crazy ideas. And I am coming with crazy ideas today. So, Paul, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Happy to be here. I, and and uh, so on the docket for today. Okay, we're going to talk about the Ukrainian-Russian situation. I don't know if we'll have time, but Paul wanted to come in and wrestle a little bit with this um, abortion leak. And the piece of resistance, the conversation that I'm most excited for. Pyramids. Pyramids. That's it. (laughs) Egypt in the Grand Canyon. The conspiracy theory of whether or not there was an Egyptian early civilization that had settled or lived or built out inside the Grand Canyon. Um, so I really want to get to that because there's so many crazy facts, facts, and you could draw the lines. I want to, I want to get to that, but let's get, we got to sort out the problems of the world. I mean, what else is a podcast for, right, Paul? Right. So I'm going to hand the stage off to you. There is this crazy world situation going on right now between Russia, Ukraine, and all the other world actors in this global arena, and there's so many different narratives on what we as a country are doing in tandem or to help um, or to aid 
what other countries are doing and their part in it, and then strictly what is the relationship between these two countries, what is the catalyst to this this riff, uh, you know, war, because it's literally no other word to use, um, and kind of where does this lead, What do we? where do we go from here? Um, I'm just going to leave the... Leave, the microphone with you. You take the stage. But what um, do you think? Yes. Yeah, so, I uh, I will be honest here. When they first were talking about, you know, the news was reporting, hey, Russia's building up for an invasion. I was thinking, there's no way this is something by the Warhawks to get a defense bill passed because it was around that time. And then they actually did it. But the way that it's been going on, um, I don't think the greatest science fiction writer could have predicted this. Um, I mean, they're... They're fighting like a developing country. I mean, this is supposedly like our uh, our peer rival, but they can't even inv- they can't even take over a, a country that they've occupied for several centuries. You know all the ins and outs of how to invade it, how to defend it, and they supposedly have one of the largest militaries in the world with a nuclear arsenal that works. I, you know, we hope. yeah, <laughs> or do we? Or not? Yeah, not really. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Um, and they're fucking up real bad. Like, I think reports now are a third of the invasion force that started in Ukraine is dead. And that, this is, these are losses from a country that has a, that's had a failing birth rate for decades. Um, the best way to get rid of a baby boom is communism. So if your country has too many people, I mean, it, it's a surefire way to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, ain't that some facts? Yeah. Do you think we're overpopulated? That's why we're calling for communism? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, the Earth could, uh, I think somewhere, like, the Earth could handle about six times as population. Yes, man. Yeah. I was reading that, like, this it's delusional... Eco, it's fascism People are saying yeah. we're overpopulated. It's like, before you know it, it's like, okay, uh, we got to start euthanizing people or, or sterilizing people. That's nah, fascist territory. The, the, the problem is we just have a resource allocation problem, not shortage. Right, yeah. Gr- great point. You know, maybe, like baby formula, you know. You know what yeah. I read today, Paul? So we've, we've got this baby formula shortage that should be a national crisis to, to the point it's gotten to now. And it's wild that I was reading European formula is actually healthier, like baby formula. European manufactured baby formula is actually healthier Probably less chemicals. Exactly. That's exactly it. Less chemicals, Mm -hmm. more natural, but the FDA won't let it come into our economy, even especially during a national Mm -hmm. crisis for baby formula. They still won't let it in, and the reason is because their label isn't up to FDA uh, baby formula label code, and it's like... Yeah, if you're not the entity that polices them, like, their label isn't going to be up to your codes. They're not making them for you. The other, So you want to look at these companies and be like, just change your label. Get it in here, and you'll take the American market, and then they'll have to figure yeah. it out. Money solves all our problems, so the second they start seeing the money just fall through their fingers, they're in a, this shortage will disappear. Well, and I'm wondering if it's a tick-for-tack thing, because, interesting enough, so we, um, you can't sell American eggs in a European market because we, we wash the eggs with a chemical, and it's a big dispute on whether an egg membrane is permeable or not, because in the European market, you can't spray. We're the only country in the world that, that produces our eggs like we do. God, we light, dude. Like, It's like a light bleach. That's why they're white. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you want a white egg that bad? 
Like, <laughs> actually, kind of the beige yellow makes me feel like, I don't I like know, the, the it's nat- real. I mean, the natural, like, brown eggs, those are, like, the ones that you get at Whole Foods for, like, So $20. let me get this straight. Disney makes a bunch of cartoons where the eggs are white, mm-hmm. and we start thinking, oh, our eggs need to be white? Because the reality is the eggs were never white. Yeah. Where'd we get that? Where'd the delusion come from? Well, it's probably, I bet it's from the same you know, frame of mind that happened all in, you know, the post-war American economy. It was like, well, we got all these petrochemicals and, you know, we need some good uses for them. So. Oh, my God. We, did you know uh, Fireball is illegal in Europe? I mean, good for them. <laughs> exactly, man. And if you don't know why, there's a chemical in uh, Fireball that is a kit, it's, it's a chemical used for... Um, bombing or something? No, no, no. What's it called? Oh, antifreeze. Yeah. Antifreeze in your car. So we use it for antifreeze in our car. So so does the European Union. So they make it illegal. And that becomes like our number one college drink. So, dude, maybe I don't want American eggs. Is there a way to get their eggs? Well, you get, um, I mean, because you can get, I think you can get eggs that aren't sprayed like that. I think that's just what, like, the standard well, market egg. Yeah, yeah, you spend, spend more. Spend, you know. So that way, we poison the poor people. <laughs> but we convince you we care about you. And it isn't because we want to keep you where you're at so we could keep your vote. Dude, wild. I mean, I, that's the egg thing blew point. my mind. Well, my thing is, is, like, and you bring up a great point, is how it's cost prohibitive to be healthy. It's so it's so easy to be a, an overweight shit in this country because McDonald's is cheaper than whole than whole. Hold foods. on, I do want to double down on one point. Okay, great Bill Burr joke, greatest Bill Burr joke. <laughs> Love Bill, Bill Burr. Burr goes. Everybody's got this narrative that it's a you know it's hard to be to eat healthy. It's more expensive. He's like, have you ever gone to the produce aisle? Look for peppers and onions. And they're pretty much giving that stuff away. (laughs) 50 cents for an apple. And you're saying, man, but I got to get my McDonald's burger for $2.50 because it's cheaper. It's like, you're right. No, what it is, dude, is it's easier. And then also, you know what it is? This is what it is. They want to convince you the narrative of, okay, if... It's just more expensive to eat healthy. That's how you get the unbleached well, like the, eggs. The organic thing, which the organic. I mean, I was raised an organic kid, but the but the way you, I mean, like you know, cage free eggs. They're not actually cage free. It's just a bigger cage. Boom. Have you <laughs> seen Super Size Me too? Yes, dude, absolutely incredible documentary. That the guy's o- a genius. That guy's a freaking genius. And the guy from Super Size Me, he goes, "I made this warning. Nobody listened to it. So now to prove it to you, mm-hmm. what I'm gonna do is make my own fast food restaurant, and it's all gonna be organic, healthy food. And so he pushes the limits of the FDA law and the language they use. So he has a deep fried chicken patty mm-hmm. that he gets to call grilled because he paints grill marks on it with charcoal. Oh yeah, next time you go to like Burger like King, sears they do that. it. And exactly. Yeah. So it isn't actually grilled. The free range like literally Paul nailed it on the head. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Okay, so this building is McDonald's chicken. Okay, I'm buying the building next door, same chicken, yeah. same everything. Same chicken, same everything." And the only thing that makes it free range and uh, what was the other one? The other term uh, you cage used? Cage-free, something cage like free. that. Cage-free. Yeah. Cage-free, free range is that they opened up. Oh, I hope this microphone is. <laughs> Dude, when we did it by Kemp's Pond, I was like, oh, man, I hope the microphones aren't, like, getting destroyed by the wind. 
and it really didn't. It was actually surprisingly great. But I'm wondering if because we're suspended in the air, it's different. Anyway. We'll find out. <laughs> free range, uh, whatever the other word was, they just literally opened the door and put a cage front in front of it so they had the sunlight come in and they had them like exposed to the outside for an hour a day. And so it's like, wait, that's what the extra six dollars is it's it's like the the average u.s prisoner they get sunlight an hour a day (laughs) you know it's not a human rights violation (laughs) exactly so the scary thing is going back to the the main point is you know when you we want to believe it's more expensive but the reality is we've allowed these companies to hijack the narrative, right? They own perception. Perception is reality. And so we believe eating healthy is expensive, so we stray away from it. But we we aren't really straying away from it more so than just choosing the bad stuff over it. And that's because it is so much more difficult to hijack the natural wirings of your brain Mm -hmm. And choose the salad chasing over that, the Oreos. That dopamine high. Do you know how many days you want ice cream? All the days, in fact. Mm. All the days you want ice cream. The day you don't have ice cream is not a day you didn't want ice yeah. cream. You had this thing that we just don't have enough of. Willpower. If you're Joe Byron, you're eating, yeah. <laughs> you're eating ice cream every fucking day. <laughs> I just want to harp. You know, people made fun of Widener University, the law school I went to. Where's that? The President of the United States, I get to brag now, Joe Biden was a professor there. No. And when I was going to, the, before I went to the school, you know, when I was applying, it was, I, it was, I made the joke, what does he teach? Ice cream law? And it's like, yeah, Joe Biden loves ice cream, mm-hmm. but guess what? Joe Biden doesn't look the way he does. He's a skinny old man. You got to give it to him. He looks good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If, you know. Go back like 10 years. He was a great old man. Great shape. He still ate ice cream. Um. It's because he didn't eat it every day and only Yeah, that. like you see him, I think I was, because um, like, he always goes back up to Delaware. I see, you see him riding bikes and stuff. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I always go back to Trump with the uh, the McDonald's fat, like that big picture when he invited yeah. the, all the athletes there. It's like, it's like, oh, what'd you get? Oh, we got him, Mc, we got him McGriddles and Big Mac. <laughs> like, can you imagine you like you spent your whole life like working towards being like the top athlete in the country, and you're like, wow, I'm going to the White House, and you go to this Dollar Tree ass White House, <laughs> and they got cold Big Macs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Is they cannot be warm, so. It's like, oh, yeah. Now, uh, back to the heart. The heart of the point is I don't think it's cheaper. I think it's a narrative we tell ourselves because they make it we hard are to addicted, out. dude, to bad food. Yeah. Like, straight up, you. Food porn is a whole thing on Instagram. Like, people are Look making at the, the, bad, the asthma stuff. What's the. And, the, and what's Boom. the other and one? And they hijack Muk- our psychology. Muk-bangs? Yes. What is that the Korean thing where everyone's just gorging on food? Like it, I I've watched it. I mean it's it's good oh, entertainment yeah, value. The ASMR like Yeah. Dude. And and the reality is they've hijacked our biology. It isn't that you can't go without mm-hmm. it. It's that you're chemically dependent. Like you if Boom. you were a fucking alcoholic. You, you like you can't I remember like I would see 
Um, you know, cause I had friends growing up that were all like, you know, always a little bit bigger and like, I, you know, we'd always go eat now, hands down. I've, I've always had problems holding weight. I've always been a scrawny guy. I mean, not, not so much now we're getting a little older, older cause all the fat, fat, fast food. Uh, <laughs> but, but I would see some, I would see like some of my old childhood frenzy. I'd be like, holy shit, man, this guy just ate three fucking Big Macs and he, and asking how, like, how do you physically do that? And but you see how addicted they it's just like how you look at a smoker like dude how can you do a pack a day straight up straight yeah. up and again I have the opposite problem and it's like you you're at, you it becomes a social thing he, mm. Joe Rogan has said this before too it's like that's got to be the if you're addicted to eating he's like that's got to be the hardest thing to get control of you can't because turkey. you you can't not eat and so and it's one of the cruelest tricks God's ever played on us that it's, like, satisfying. It tastes good. You chase that. Anyway, Russia, Ukraine. So, <laughs> that was a good, no, I was saying, that's a great, that's a great fucking tangent. Eat your, fe- eat your vegetables. Stop yeah. being so fat. COVID won't kill you <laughs> if you're healthy. Uh, but the, the greatest the vaccine Russian is cream. vegetables. Uh, I, I think we talked about this last. Always follow the money. That's like I'm happy to see what's how our Western response is because, um, and this is uh, there's you know, Afghanistan and kind of the malaise of inflation. There's some things that Biden doesn't like. I still you know I still voted for a guy. I'd probably vote for him again if it was the same matchup. Just you know my own personal opinion. But the Ukraine thing, I think he's handled wonderfully because. It's reinvigorated the U.S. world order. Like Nate, like before, we were sitting there questioning why does NATO exist? The USSR doesn't exist, and then Russia goes and does the worst thing it could do: it declared war. Now NATO's expanding. Germany actually has a military budget again. If if I were the Poles and the French, I'd be a little cautious. You know, the Germans get a lot of guns; they get a little antsy. Um, but Europe is actually rearming. You know, what, one of the things Trump campaigned on, which I. Give, I give Trump a lot of credit with some foreign policy stuff because he hit it on the head. He's like, yeah, China's robbing us with the way our, our tax laws work. China. And not to mention, the Europeans are freeloading off of us because we have bases all over there. And they're like, oh, we don't, I don't, why do I need a military? It's, you know, I got this big fat American eating Big Macs in my hometown. So now the Europeans are like, okay, the Americans are not coming to the rescue. We need to actually step the fuck up and, you know, and actually defend ourselves. So I that props to that. Um, so real quick, tell us about, like, Germany. They've yeah. really increased their military spending. You were telling me about. Um, I, I could see the benefit of kind of creating this need for autonomy mm-hmm. in, within these other countries. You know, like, if another world war, war comes, like, we're going to – the point of allies is that you guys can help. Yeah, we can't be carrying the whole carrying the whole. And that weight. was the problem that America had. I mean, you had the like uh, think of Desert Storm. You had the Coalition of the Willing, and it was, I mean, major contingents of of the British uh, of the British and the French. And yeah, you had like support groups from like De- Denmark and and Germany and Ukraine. Ukraine was also in Afghanistan. Quick reminder on that. Uh, but it, it was like thirty guys. Uh, but other than that, it was majority U.S. forces. So. And, and 
you know, it's a coalition kind of, but now it's where, okay, the Europeans actually have a real military presence. So if shit goes down with Russia, you know, it's not just us sending poor kids from the South with, you know, tricked by recruiters to drive Hellcats. Uh, <laughs> I always love the, I always love those, uh, like those Dodge memes where it's like, oh, man, I'd kill for a Hellcat. You will? <laughs> you ever see that one? <laughs> no. But, uh, no, much, re- much respect to the, um, to our soldiers in uniform. My main, gripe is um is uh dis- is recruiting practices which is there there's some da- down and dirty recruiting practices that i've seen firsthand of the military um nothing against our soldiers though you know they do they they're giving the best fight out there um uh, but i also want to talk about is the money so that's the big thing i was looking at in ukraine is you know we look at all these aid packages they're sending and stuff like that it's a debt trap. Like, yeah, we're, we're helping them. We're giving them, you know, all the javelins in the world. And, man, those things are working good. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are. But uh, but then when you realize, like, yeah, we have the $40 billion aid package that we, we just passed, um, you know, really could have used that for infrastructure. But that's that's okay. We need to help the Ukrainians, too. I'm, I'm not saying it's one or or. I'm saying we can probably do both. But um, a lot of those loans, I mean, they're exactly that. They're loans. And look back at... Um, why the British Empire fell? The why the reason they why they fell is because they couldn't afford to keep their empire. And what was one of the ma- major reasons? Well, World War One, World War Two, we gave them all the loans in the world. I mean, they literally gave us islands in I think it was the Atlantic or bases in the Atlantic and just to pay for loans. And then after the war, they're like, we're still paying the Americans back for everything. We can't afford to keep India. We can't afford to keep South Africa for the better because now they're independent nations. But that was how they fell. So what's going to happen with Ukraine? Not a major world power, you know, just kind of like a middle-income country. What's going to happen to them when all the, that debt's due? Okay, so there's a significant amount of debt coming from it, but you you were telling me as well that a lot of it, like there was, what, $80 billion of it that it is for theirs, or $40 billion. Yeah, like I keep. think, and I believe some of the $40 billion might be 40, loan. Okay. I mean, don't don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know the majority of that is actual, like, aid, aid for them yeah. to but keep. But there's a lot of them, like, um, I think the IMF's given them a bunch of loans. The European the European Union ones, I know, are loans, like contingent. Um, a lot of the military aid, Which, though, again, that- makes you wonder, dude, and, and so, again, we may... Be- Wait a second. You're saying in this $40 billion we're handing over, some of it is the European Union's? No, 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 not the European Union. You're I saying mean, they're... So, does them, that kind of makes you out to be the ass when the European Union's like, hey, ours is a, is a loan. And we go, well, ours is for you to keep because my son makes a lot of money doing crack yeah. in your place. <laughs> um, so, question for you. My and okay, so picture of my understanding of this situation was, and we were kind of uh, alluding to it at the beginning of the pod before the podcast started. Bush had their administration had a deal with Russia that you know let's it was cool a, it our was ties. An, it was an understanding that we are not going to bring NATO closer to Russia. Then we take Germany. Then we take Turkey. We just keep moving, and the last line is Ukraine. And they're pretty much like once you take Ukraine, you're you're here. You're at our border. And you well, said you were going to stop all the way yeah. back there. So, I can see why, you know, once you break that that um that understanding, why there's this reaction. So, my question for you is this. You posed it as I appreciate what President Joe Biden has done in the situation because it has furthered the strength of NATO. 
Yeah. So my question for you is, as someone who could arguably have a surface-level understanding, so there's probably more for me to understand, but in that surface-level understanding, does not see NATO as a great organization. Can you convince me that that this is good? This is a good thing that it's expanding, getting yeah. stronger, and a better thing, and what makes it good? So NATO, and I will agree, I was one of the people, before the invasion, I, you know, I agreed there was a, a memorandum of understanding where W did say, you know, hey, get, you know, we're, and it was a big thing because we were afraid the USSR, or not the USSR, Russia might even collapse itself, and it was, you know, to, a way to stave off, hey, we're not going to expand east, um, you know, Germany and, and Turkey were good, but, um, you know, the Eastern Bloc, Russia was like, okay, Eastern Bloc, that's fine. And then, you know, we start moving into Ukraine, and that's a whole other ballgame. But the moment Russia invaded Ukraine, th- that flipped the switch. That justified, because NATO's kind of been a lost organization since the fall of the Cold War. I mean, the Russians weren't really a major serious threat, and now we're seeing they're not really a serious threat at all. Uh, but now that they've attacked it, I mean, you have Finland and Sweden two historically non-aligned countries now being like, well, we have a reason now. I mean, Russia, they they were justified in the beginning on how this happened, and in the end, they dug their own grave. It's, well, now they are all going to join NATO because, well, there's a war on your border. Who's to say I'm not next? Everyone's saying Moldova's next. It might be if they could make it that far. Uh, but as far as convincing that NATO's useful, so the big thing on NATO is... Uh, is interoperability. Like, that's the one of the biggest accomplishments that NATO does as a military alliance. Because a lot of times you might have military alliances and your troops fight together. That doesn't mean you can use each other's guns. You know, there's different rifle cal- calibers. So the big thing NATO did during the Cold War is standardize. You know, the same ammo we use in our rifles and howitzers here is the same ammo that Germany is using, the same ammo that Poland and most of Polish uh, weapons are using. So that's a big thing. So if you're an American and you get in a Polish tank, you might not know the language, but you know, like, oh, I know that tank shell. So there's a big interoperability. Not to mention um, NATO serves to be one of the reasons why Europe has gone from the continent with all the wars to the continent with almost no wars. Um, You've got to be fucking kidding me, dude. Oh, I think we got a little time. Yeah, keep going. Thunder, folks. That's how my life works. <laughs> but now, when you have uh, when you have NATO, ah, oh, crap! I lost my train of thought with that London. With Sorry, that NATO interoperability of weapons. Um, oh, right. The Europe, yeah, European peace strategy. So big reason they they keep Europe, the Europeans from. I mean, you have the European Union as well, but it's not really a military alliance. France is trying to do it, but now NATO's kind of usurped that. So that's another thing is you're keeping the Europeans from getting at each other's throats because there's still. Uh, the territorial disputes and stuff like that that could be happening. There's kind of one happening right now. Um, not to mention, it takes the burden off the Americans. So we don't have to sit here and fight fight a war on ourselves. You know, we had, you know, we had French and British troops in both Gulf Wars and then in Iraq and Afghanistan. But for the most part, it was a majority American operation. I mean, the British did their part. The other coalition leaders did their part. But when you think of Iraq and Afghanistan, you're thinking of an American soldier in a Humvee. And as we've learned, that's very expensive. Uh, so that's another aspect. And that, that's the biggest thing with NATO, is it gives us strength. And not to mention that, our economic order. So the Western European economic order is another thing. Yes, you, there is its faults, and we can criticize that all we want, but the Pax Americana is real. 
I mean, we're all made. The reason why we're not fighting China is because we make too much money off each other. Not as much, not as much now <laughs> after like, COVID, but there's still a significant amount of money. That's one of the reasons why Russia wants war. They're not an they're not an integrated economy. Yes, Russian economy took a huge hit, but for the most part, they're largely isolated other than ga- oil and gas. Um, so those, that would be my point. main argument for NATO. Those sound like great, great reasons. Um, hold on. Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't come very prepared, and <laughs> so I I should I I you've presented me with no real reason to dislike something that's a pact with allies. So yeah. I mean, it's got its faults. Oh, like I'm not saying NATO's perfect and all is rosy. Like it still has its faults. There's still a significant disparity in defense spending and all that, and the Americans' commitment versus Europeans. But I it's think improved. that was probably it. I was looking for the money. That's what I was... Yeah. Okay, anyway, the problem is there's another aspect to this Ukrainian thing that I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. You've got this president that was a pretty much a Netflix star. Like, he was just a TV yeah. show guy that did a House of Cards version you or Ukrainian version of House of Cards where this guy played president, he was an actor, mm-hmm. he also was, like... Placed into like this is this, but also what kind of crackhead country elects a TV star, maybe a <laughs> oh, movie yeah, star? I was thinking, so so, it, it listen, happened. and we're sitting here <laughs> fighting over like two idiot politicians going, We wish it was The Rock, <laughs> as we literally put a game show host in yeah. the we're just as great point, great point, dude. Okay, I was about to go down a line that would have ended up in a cancelable word, so I'm not gonna even go down that word. <laughs> I, because democracy basically means government by the people of the people for the people but the people are retarded I I have that video on you. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's funny is you've got this. It's true, man. Yeah. And the I mean, more when everyone can vote, everyone can vote. And I mean, the, Dude, the majority of people are like C minus at best. The amount like. of times I'm at work and you just deal with a sheer new level of stupidity. Yeah. You never thought it makes you, you feel a lot comfortable where you are as an adult because you're like you're like you know what? At least I know what taxes are. <laughs> Dude, at least I know, like, oh, don't even get me started. Just basic <laughs> understandings of the world, how to read or write, you know? And I, the problem is every time I get super, super disappointed, and then I go, everybody votes. Everybody but, votes. okay, president is really fishy over there. That president situation, it seems like he was just kind of placed what, as a puppet he's, head. He's turned into a sex icon now that this war happened. Like. Then let's just keep on pushing with that. <laughs> now he's touring. He's on Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. He's talking around the country. He's like, t- yo, you don't have that big of a country again, as you had indicated. Males aren't allowed to leave your country because you're so desperate for uh, you know, people to be there and to fight and... You're touring which, the world. Which you notice, where is woke Twitter saying, why aren't they letting the women not leave either? They should all fight too. Because not that there can't be women soldiers, and they are women soldiers doing a fucking nice job. But don't job, but yeah. don't you find it interesting that they're not 
It's like the Titanic. They're like women and children first. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, women and children first. And um, but now you've got this guy touring the country while his country is apparently at home at war. But you know, I guess Kiev can't be too dangerous when they're doing a U two concert. You know, with full security yeah. and full production. In the middle of Kiev. Now, we're seeing well, all that's these... because the Russians had to pull out of Kiev because they lost... Like, they... These... These dumb motherfuckers. I, I got to tell you, dear God. These dumb motherfuckers... They were <laughs> supposed to take Kiev in 48... The first 48 hours. Putin was like, okay, if we are going to send in VDV... Like, the VDV is the first airborne unit to ever exist in human military history. And they're supposedly, like, the elite Russian units. And they send... I think like a th- a third or maybe half of their VDV active troops to like huge air assault landing, you know, think of think of like the D-Day land like the D-Day landings for the 101st and they're all going there and you just see some Ukrainian peasant with an RPG just downing these giant cargo liners. They lost so whole bat- battalions of their elite troops in the first few days. Wow. That's why U2 was able to play there. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. It also, back to one of the other things we were talking about, it, it also doesn't play into their benefit that, like, the Russian military was under the understanding that this was they weren't going into Ukraine, yeah. that they were being deployed for some kind of, like, uh, military practice like it was supposed to be a run through and now they're going to war with what they thought was their own people like Ukraine yeah. they don't look at it as people that are different <coughs> that used to be their own people so now they're turning their barrels at their own people when it was supposed to be just like a military exercise to begin and with and it's going into the idiocy of Putin's thing and what I think it was is yeah I think about Putin's been in power since like 2000 and even before that, because Yeltsin kind of drank himself to be brain dead in the late 90s. So you don't be, you don't be the top man for two plus decades and not have yes men around you. Fair. I mean, so that's why I think that there was no one saying like, hey, maybe this might not go well. Um, hey, I know you got these cool military parades, but I think our defense minister has been selling a lot of our supplies for, uh, for Coke money. And like I was saying, uh, well, like I was saying before, you know, they're finding Russian t- like the Russian takes that if you see they have like all these like little bricks on them, uh, that's what's called reactive armor. And what happens is when a missile fires at it, it's supposed to like activate and jump out of trap and covers the missile so the tank doesn't explode. Well, it turns out their defense minister Shoigu or some Russian general in some provincial town somewhere uh, where they were based for forever sold all that shit for vodka money because you're finding Russian tanks destroyed and they're looking at this reactive armor and they're like it's fucking cardboard no way yeah oh my god (laughs) peer rival peer rival our military could barely beat them come on so that's it well but the other side to it is i read somewhere that he severely outnumbers us in nuclear weaponry like they've got a lot more nuclear missiles and well, it's the poor. It's the poor man's defense. I mean, look at that's the same reason why North Korea is building a nuclear arsenal because they know all of their Soviet era tech ain't ain't gonna win the fight. But the nuke is motherfucker. Try me, and I will blow both of us up. So I mean, wow. there was. I mean, there was even. I saw there was some news report. Um, they were starting to talk about. I think it was probably CNN or something. Um, uh, one of the few times I've watched it in the recent time. 
But they were talking about, like, if the Russian conventional military is this bad, how do we know their nuclear arsenal actually works? The next fucking day, Russia does a ballistic missile test. Like, they're, nor- <laughs> like they're North Korea. They, they were one of the first countries to have nuclear missiles. Right. And right. they're like, hey, just sort of make sure y'all knew these worked. <laughs> like, that's how insecure these people are. That's how insecure. And you just got, like, like you ever talk to someone that is just, like, blatantly insecure, and you're just like, I got to watch out before I damage this fragile ego. I mean, it's just like dealing with Putin. But so that's the other side to this, though, dude, is there's this unspoken fear of Putin's health. You have this guy who nobody really has seen out in public that often. Well, have you seen the meetings post-COVID where he has, like, with the hilariously long conference room tables? Right. He looks psycho. And they're, right, you look psycho, but also... It's looking like he's kind of not speaking in full articulation. He's well, kind the dude's, of dude's getting up there. He's exactly. Uh, so here's the scary. I mean, thing. he's not like a thousand like Trump or Biden, but I mean, he's he's no spring chicken. But when you got a guy that's aging, whose health might be significantly declining, and now his back's against the wall. Yes. Russia may be financially independent for the most part internally, but they're also kind of very dependent. You know, the ruble is yeah. nothing outside of Russia now. Well, not to mention it's also, like, national pride. Like, the the like the like right. disinformation campaign in Russia is, we're winning the war. The Ukrainians are welcoming us. You know, we're just clearing out all these neo-Nazis. When the reality is, no, we're, we're losing. And But they have such a good control of the state media because of historical reasons that they're able to convince most of their people think that, oh, the war's going well, it's not really that bad. I mean, that's why that's why we, we got out of Vietnam. I won't say we lost Vietnam. We won every battle in Vietnam. Um, but we lost the will because we had a free media that was reporting, you know, all the, all the U.S. soldiers in body bags. They were reporting, you know, all the civilian massacres that happened. And that the Americans were like, dude, fuck this. What, what do we want this for? So... Putin understands the media aspect, but but this the other side to it, dude, is there's nothing more dangerous than a man with nothing to lose. Yeah. And so if you've got a dying man, dude, he's the richest man alive. Like we talk about uh Jeff Bezos being the richest man in the world. Oh no, it's Putin. It's Putin. There was um Imagine a, owning a yeah. country and a superpower at that. Alexi so Alexei Navalny, he was uh that that was the big thing. That happened that got him. I, I don't think it was the thing that got him banned, but it was the last big thing that happened. And and I'll first say, like, Navalny's got his own problems. He had maybe a few ties to some neo-Nazi parties in Russia. But he did, an, he did an excellent, like, documentary report where they were showing all of Vladimir Putin's, like, shell holdings. And he's actually he actually is the richest man in the world because all the people he put in place after the Soviet Union collapsed are all his buddies in the KGB that now run Gazprom, that now run the Russian Defense Ministry. Um, That's another big thing, is the Russian defense uh, industry depends on foreign sales. You know, the U.S. defense industry, I think we are still the largest arms manufacturer in the world, but we also have such a bloated military budget, we, we could take all that. Russia doesn't. So they depend on selling guns to, you know... Iran or... Yeah, Iran. Are they, but they're, are they still dealing with Iran? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I... I, I imagine they it. have to. I mean, the same, it's the same way that, that, uh, that the North Koreans get, you know, all these goods from China that they're not supposed to get. You know, that's all these under underhanded dealings. But now there's a lot of countries that are looking at, you know, 
like India, for example. India, famously, they have a, a mix of U.S. and um, and, and Russian uh, weaponry because India was kind of a third. Not they weren't really involved in the Cold War. They were kind of like the third way. Um, but now they're everyone's seeing like, why the hell would I buy Russian tanks or guns? Look at them in combat. <laughs> like they're they're losing a war against someone like twenty million. 20 million people, same size as, uh, as Iraq. We took that country in like less than two weeks. It's been how many months? Great point. In, in, in Ukraine? I mean, the, there's a news, Newsweek article that they called it shock and awful. Like, the, like shock and awe was the campaign we used against Saddam. And boy, that war went great. Um, but we, were, we actually invaded. We got the country. I mean, th- this dude, yeah. That is a dangerous position. Because who knows? I mean, God willing that it goes to that, that get to that point, there's someone with you know a little bit of rationale to be like, you know what, maybe I'll take Vladimir to the back and and, t- and tell him we're going to be petting rabbits and then letting him off because <laughs> it might it might have to go that way if if this dude is going to take his country to the fucking shitter for his that's time. what I, well and that's part of the reason why they've kept him so reserved yeah. is because. There are a lot of threats within his own country to take him out for that reason. They will Lenny him because yeah. they don't want to see the whole ship go down with him. I mean, he brags, uh, I mean, not in public, but in private, like, off-the-record conversations he's had. He brags about all the assassination attempts. He's he's foiled. I mean, you got to think, the guy's a former KGB agent, so a little good at that. Uh, that might be his saving grace. But, yeah, he's sitting here bragging, like, <laughs> survival assassination attempts at Hitler. <laughs> really? I don't know the validity of that, but that's... Do you doubt it? I mean, there's obviously been attempts, so I got to imagine, wouldn't you brag about it? Like, 25 men tried to kill me, (laughs) and they all died at my hands. He's like a Russian 50 cent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or was it? Did, did he say uh, uh, there might be? I might be twenty cents soon. If gas prices keep on the roof or something. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, that's right, dude. First of all, I thought we were doomed. I heard that thunder. It looked gray over the yeah. house. That totally missed us. Oh, that's Ohio. She'll play that's, tricks on you. She'll play tricks on you. <laughs> okay. So, question for you: Where we're at, kind of in this topic with you, or, or where we're at currently um, in the world? stage mm-hmm. where do you think this is headed and i don't you know i think it was a bit hyperbolic at the beginning but we were all afraid and it's yeah. still something worth being afraid of if you have any connections to anybody back in ukraine things are not that good and you know we were out to brunch yesterday and some family were in town and they're telling us a story they live in new york of a friend of theirs whose grandmother is in was in kiev mm-hmm. And um, couldn't get out. She was like 85 and has like dementia. And her caretakers were young enough. They left. Yeah. And so she was stuck there by herself with dementia. And thank God there were people that stayed back to just help. And they have kind of taken the responsibility of, like, aiding her, but they stayed back to help people in the city, and it's, like, her own nurses, they left. You had to leave. If there's a national, like, do you stay? What do you do? Talk about a moral question. I ain't yeah. con- we, that, that pod, The podcast ain't going down that road. I mean, the, the viewer can ask themselves that. That's just a crazy theoretical Situation thing. Situation you yeah. hope you not have to go into. But, dude, if you have the responsibility of taking care of an old woman and with dementia, 
but it is a national emergency yeah. and you have to leave town. Yeah, it's I think it's Dude, am I, am I'm I gonna, bringing am I, the old bag with me. <laughs> like, bitch, we're leaving. Yeah, I mean, she has dementia. She I mean, I mean, probably walk. You can get, wheel, you can get wheelchairs on trains I'm going to convince her I'm Elvis or her old husband yeah. or her son and be like, we are leaving, Grandma. We are. <laughs> well, I wonder, I wonder if it was one of those situations where I was like, I, I did not leave when Hitler invaded. Yeah. Why I leave when Russian invaded. What is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most likely. So, again, I guess it's like, all right, see you, old bag. I'm out of yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, ultimately, I mean, uh, Russia can't sustain this. I mean, like I said, they've estimated a loss a third of their ground forces that they deployed there, not a third of their total ground forces, but still a significant amount. Um, and, and the money... I mean, what happened to the U- the USSR when they invaded Afghanistan and we gave the Afghans a bunch of advanced missiles and they started taking down a lot of expensive Russian equipment? It, ba- it bankrupted them. So I think I think Putin has to make a call on, and what you kind of already see in the victory parade, you know, they have um, uh, a victory parade every year for, uh, I think it's like May 9th or something, but it commemorates the, the defeat of Nazi Germany. You know, uh, I mean, like that's huge event I'm like it is here on Veterans Day or something like that but um I think ultimately Putin's got to make a strategic choice where he's like okay I'm gonna say we won but like not uh not actually taking the country and that's what he's positioning himself you're seeing speeches where he's already kind of saying that he's won in that they're probably going to get Luhansk and Donetsk they might hold that might I don't know um because it's getting to the point now they there's some parts of Ukraine that they've pushed the Russians back to the border. And now you have right. Ukraine, Ukrainian special forces can go into the Russian, like, like Putin can't beat off that media. If you're saying like, well, my buddy in the other city just got narked by a f- bunch of freaking Ukrainian special forces, not to mention we gave the Ukrainians the M triple seven artillery pieces, which are extremely long range. So now you have the issue here is, okay, do I, do I take this war to its, you know, to a conclusion where my own country is getting attacked now? I mean, th- think about it. what if Ukraine were to counter invade Russia, how pathetic would that make Russia look? Right. Not only, not only couldn't I beat a country and now it's invading us. Yeah. That's ranked. I think they're ranked like 40th in defense spending or something like that. And it's weapons they all made together. <laughs> like, it's it's just a ridiculous... I think he's going to claim victory when he didn't really. And he's going to get some minor concessions. But I, I, there's no way they win this war. And if they do try and pursue the war to actually winning it, they'll bankrupt themselves and the state will collapse. And then we have, really? a, nu- then we have a nuclear state that might not have control of all its weapons. My only fear is it has been just kind of like he... There's the... Rumors of his war stories of how many assassinations yeah. he's defeated. I I've also heard that he's made it a mission, a life goal, mm-hmm. to bring Ukrainian bring Ukraine home. That that is like Mother Russia's, and that he's going to bring it home. Well, he stated that you know the fall of the Soviet Union is one is the greatest geopolitical disaster of the twentieth century, or I think twenty first century. What century is this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, which he has a he, there is a small there is a valid point in that. With the USSR collapsing, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of malcontent and whether it's better with it out. I mean, it wasn't, it's an authoritarian regime that murdered millions of its citizens, um, just like all communist regimes do. But, um, but it did say, I mean, now you have all these Pol Pot dictators and, and, and like Kazakhstan and all that, you know, are the people really better off? It's just, 
different dictator, different name. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- it's going to be an interesting situation to see how much of a betting man Vlad is. <laughs> man, but the, the saddest part is the only thing being wagered is lives. And these are other people, like, using people, real human beings, as pawns. But isn't that what warfare has always been? God, it's terrible, man. Because the reality is the human-to-human aspect, like, do you know how many stories there are of hand-to-hand combat, and then they just look at each other and they're like, dude, you're... And they just, like, walk away from each other. Think about the, uh, you ever heard of the Christmas truce of 1915? It was the first winter of World War One, where they had breaking out during Christmas. Both sides were celebrating right. Christmas, and they started and they stopped fighting. I mean, it got it got to the point where where officers were being ordered to, hey, you need to start shooting your boys, um, so you can get this war back on. I mean, they were like the British and French armies and German armies were all like seriously considering, like, okay, we might have to charge them for mutiny or something. Actually, the French army did mutiny in 1917 because they're all like, this is ridiculous. Why? Why am I? Why are we fighting? The, what are we fighting over? Like. Wow. Yeah, some rich people were fighting over Alsace Lorraine and 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 all that, but uh, and and you know what? I've drawn on this point before on the podcast. I when I talk about China, China, or I talk about any other any of these countries, right? Like I'm talking about the people in power in control and like the policies they're enacting. Yeah, it's nothing against the, like I, that was a big that's thing. It. Like I literally have no, we have no qualm with each other. Yeah. Goat man in. You know, Turkey. (laughs) We have no qualms with each other, my man. And the only rift between us is manufactured by outside forces. So we can make money. Money. Uh, I mean, that's that's what war is hell. (laughs) I mean, that's a true quote. I mean, that was one. So what could we economically replace war with in reality? Like in that utopia. Well, we're trying what and that was what the American system is built off of is just economic trade. Like, I mean, I, I, I think that's. You know, as I said before, it's one of the main reasons why, you know, we're not going to go to a war with China is there's too much money to be made. Yeah, you're going to have wars like the Russia and Ukraine, but, and the hope is with the current system is that there's, we're making more money off each other than killing each other for now. Let's hope it stays that way. So I think that that's the ultimate goal is just to hope, like, continue bringing economic growth uh, and hope that will keep war away. Like, I don't foresee... You know, once again, I'm just I'm just some dude in Ohio. What what do I know? But you know, I don't see I don't see us in China going to war. I mean, I think especially I think China's looking at how the world um, the world financial system responded to Russia and Ukraine, and they're thinking like, you know what? Maybe we maybe the 49th province can just you know we'll deal with that later. You know, I got, <laughs> we need I got, to recover. Yeah, I got I got I got. <laughs> I got a shit ton of baby full of real to send over to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of rubles to be made yeah. on baby formula right yeah. now. <laughs> um, so, bah, bah, bah. let's talk about real quick because that was something that you had alluded to me before that this is something you wanted to talk about before we go down my crazy rabbit hole. Yeah. So we'll keep it short. Don't worry, um, we're going to get to the pyramids. You got to get to the mini Sphinx in the Grand Canyon. But it is wild to me, man, how many people are falling for the song and dance of this Supreme Court just Supreme Court um, decision leak. It isn't real. And I think at the point at which you go at the throats of your neighbors, it should only happen when it becomes real, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
what here I want I want to lay down my position on this and then I will hear for okay. you your approach. The reality is Paul, I don't think it's even real. I think COVID's over, dude. Nobody buys the bullshit they're selling anymore, and we're back to getting along. They're losing their chokehold on us, and for about a month and a half to at least four weeks, there wasn't enough hate. Mm. We were getting along, and we were talking, and that is not what we could have. So magically, what is the most provocative topic in American history? And it just comes out of the ethos, out of nowhere. Nothing has changed legally Everybody's still got their rights. Now to my position. I get put in a box because I'm not a Democrat. But my mom worked for Planned Parenthood. That household right there, fully, I am probably the most like, hey, you're still killing babies. And they definitely don't look at it that way. But I still, as I conceded to my sister, the reality of the situation, it doesn't matter where you come out morally. Mm -hmm. You are not making abortions illegal. You are only making safe abortions illegal. And in that world, you have to allow it. You have to allow it. What this needs to become is a personal decision. When my mom worked at Planned Parenthood, when you wanted to kill the baby inside of you, like, we got to still admit that's a human being. And I'm, I understand all these com- – in the rarest of rare occasions, it, there's medical complications or there's – Literally a unanimous decision amongst 100% human beings that rape babies don't even count. Yeah. Like, that, that well, is no, there's, off there's the table. Some, there, there are some on the right that okay, are like, but, but it, that baby's a blessing but that's still. Like 50, okay, okay, but when we but yeah, start the considering the 1% to 5% of people as a totality, mm-hmm. we're, we're losing the heart of the point. And so I agree with you, those people exist. But the reality, I think the grand scope... We all agree. Those are off the table. Medical emergencies are medical emergencies. I also don't think you need to bear a dead baby. So if it's coming, if it's a dead baby, get it out of there. And I'm all all of that stuff. The the anomalies, they're mitigating factors. We can't we can't worry about those. I don't think they're as important. The heart of the conversation is this. I think when the distracting psyop comes out of the ethos to get us to turn on each other, and every person with a pink pussy hat posts on their Instagram F men or shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. That stuff is so toxic and not what's going to amend this situation. You're bringing out the worst in people. You're bringing out the worst in people. And back to my mom at Planned Parenthood. I got distracted. When you wanted to come in and kill the thing inside you, or remove it, remove the scab, like you said. Like, dude, Louis C.K. says it best. We need to recognize when having these conversations that 50% of people think you're killing babies, and the other 50% think you're just taking a shit. Yeah, well, did you, did you go to Catholic school growing up? No, I didn't. I went to a public school. Okay. and But again, I see it as, at some point, like, Tim Pool had the perfect example. What if you had an early baby, right? You had like a medical situation where it comes out early. Yeah, and, preemie, like right? pre, yeah. yeah. At eight months, can you kill it then? But there's bills saying you could kill a baby at the eighth month. So mm-hmm. it's like, wait, but that same baby, if you would have had an emergency pre-birth, what what was it, pre-mature birth? Yeah. If you would have just, do you still get to kill it? And so, anyway, I got sidetracked. 
when you're at Planned Parenthood and you want to do this thing, which you should be allowed to do. If you want to do, you should be allowed to do. Planned Parenthood says you have to take 24 hours and come back. So there's already an understanding by the organizations that do it that this is a big deal. Mm. And you need to think on it. We'll still let you do it. But you need to think about think on it. What I don't like is how the narrative has evolved to shut the F up when it's half my baby. It's half my, like, I messed up just as much as you did by allowing this to occur. That, like, you know, we need to be more responsible. And it is half of my responsibility as well. I don't think I should have any say, any say in the final decision. Yeah, because at the end of your the day, body. It's not, it, that thing's not sitting in your belly. But we need to change the narrative, and it can no longer be, you don't get to hear me out at all. I think just like Planned Parenthood says, you need to go home and think on it, I think we need to have a moral requirement that you listen. If there's a father that cares, one way or the other, I think you at least need to hear them out. You need to hear them out. And then make your own decision. The only reason you don't want to hear them out is it's going to make it a lot harder to kill a baby Mm -hmm. or to do what you want and embrace your independence. It's going to be harder for you to embrace your independence if you have to hear a man out. That man should have no say. And, And I also understand the toxic traits of a man where they can, a man without control. Yeah, or say like if it's an abusive relationship. I could see that. I could see that. So that's why I'm not saying go to legislation and put pen to paper. I think we need to evolve the social narrative in a healthy relationship. If, if you want to call yourself a healthy human being, you need to hear the people. A healthy thinker, you need to hear the other side out. Still make your, own, your final decision. I mean, all sane people should be able to hear conflicting opinions and not self-destruct. Yeah, great. Point. I mean, it's one of the, but it's sad, it's a sad fact that it's like it's like you were saying at the beginning. It's rare to find two different sides, but I think that it's two different sides publicly, like in the public eye, because I think at the end of the day, the majority of Americans agree. Like my great my, my great whole point. view on abortion, and the reason why I asked if you go to Catholic school, like I went to Catholic school, you know, gr- um, all growing up, and we had anti-abortion people come in and speak. Like they would literally give us like these little gold pins that were like little baby feet. Like, that's a baby at 10 weeks. And, like, make oh, all the kids wear it in school. Oh, my God. And, like, just really, like, a lot of grifty stuff. Like, they would show video. Like, this is same same type of schools that wouldn't let you, wouldn't let me read uh, Golden Compass, if you remember that book. Yeah. It was about witches. Uh, and Harry Potter, because it was about witches. But, like, we're going we're gonna to show, we're going to show a video of a baby getting sucked out by a, va- like, a vacuum. Like, literally, like, it looks like some, like, freaking... Oh. A duster buster, and it looks like a full grown baby, like it's all propaganda. Um, but is so, it propaganda? It's well, no, I agree. I, I, I agree. It man, is. that thing had a foot, and you're like, <laughs> man, they, they shouldn't. Have. It's kind of like the rotten lug on a cigarette pack. Like, who's really the asshole? The person putting the rotten lug on the cigarette pack, mm. or like the person that's like, like it doesn't hurt my cigarette pack. Like, like dude, yeah. you're popping your heart. They're just trying to tell you you're popping your heart. So I think like this kind of, dude, the reality is in a perfect world, the baby comes. And I get it. You're like, who's going to take care of this thing? You're the same Republican that doesn't want welfare programs. They're going to take care of the kid when it comes out. But you're saying I have to keep it. I get all those things. Well, and the the U.S. foster system 
I mean, do you know how many kids get abused in that system? Like, which funny enough, Paris Hilton of all people, I will always, I will always be a Paris Hilton advocate because she played a, she played like the dumb blonde as a joke. She's actually like a really she's incredibly cr- smart. Yeah, she's like, incredibly smart. <laughs> she's like a amateur radio operator, but she was at the White House. I think it was today or or the other day. Uh, about there is a law in in Congress right now to help um, protect kids in institutions like prisons, foster care systems, adult, like um, fo- like foster orphanages, uh, and all that. And that's like her big thing because there's so many. Um, I mean, I have, you know I have people that I that I've known that are adopted or in the foster care system. There's also a lot of stories of people getting abused, and so there might be reason why a lot of expecting mothers might be saying. What am I going to do? Put my kid in some foster home with some crazy family? Like at, at the end of the day, I I think yes, we need to hear the man. It's the woman's decision at the end because you know she's she's the one carrying that thing. But I do agree we need to have um, the, the guys input in it. And at the end of the day, we need to have men step up as fathers, regardless. Oh yeah, like dude. that. That's just a whole thing across the board. I mean, I saw a statistic literally today that was talking about how there is like a ninety eight percent chance. That a or sorry, eighty something percent chance that a child without a father will be poor. Yeah, that's a Think big. Think about that. Well, and that was a big thing. Like I remember because I I come from a divorced family. That was the thing growing up. Like that even my Catholic school at one point, like school I went to in uh, in like primary school, they were saying like. We we don't want broken families in our in our school or something like that. Saying that kids are of kids of divorce are less likely to succeed. As if look at me kid, now, motherfucker. Yeah, but as <laughs> if that kid doesn't need your help. Like that, yeah. it, you're supposed to be Catholic, right? Like you, you exactly. The, yeah. It's like, come on, you're supposed to be loving, and you're sitting here going, the person that could possibly, mm. need, if if in my theory, this is we don't like this. Then that kid's in need of your help, and when a kid needs your help, you're slam the door on. We're too good. We don't yeah. want that in our school. Well, it's the same thing, like with the um, the those Baptists, like Westboro Baptists, like the people that are going on college campuses saying we hate gays and stuff like that, and all that. And it's like, my my guy, Jesus was hanging with hookers all day. Like, come on. He, the guy was the guy was a hip the guy was a freaking hippie hanging with cool people like yeah. like lo- like um and I know some people literally find a problem drug addicts he he hung, yeah. homeless he hung out with because aren't they all the aren't they all of the world children of God like isn't that the message at the end of the day so why are you sitting here hating people well um, because the the thing that was originally the message has evolved over dude it's been passed through way too many hands through. Leaders that wanted to take control of their people, leaders that wanted to destroy the past guy's yeah. narrative, like it just kept getting passed on to where there are what it is is a collection of stories mm-hmm. that you can you can use for better yeah, or it's good. Morality lessons, morality not, lessons, you know. But the heart of it is always true. It doesn't matter what hands are passed doesn't matter who Jesus was. It really doesn't. Islam acknowledges that Jesus was a saint. Well, not only that, most of the world's religions are just like, it's the same message. Don't be, be an asshole. Exactly. Like, that's even, it. Like, that's no, 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 it. but want to be good. Yeah. Like, value overall is good. Truthfully, it isn't a cliche for any other reason than it's truth. Money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. F- any political, geopolitical situation, any event 
anymore especially, PSYOP or not, you can just follow the money and you will see the, the heart of the problem, always. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates wants a new vaccine, or, or vaccine, find Bill Gates. Food shortage and everything, find Bill Gates. Be- uh, the look, baby formula, fine, Bill Gates, the, uh, but he loves you, baby. Look at like the COVID aid packages that went through, and now we're finding out how much of like the like the PPE loans that that we were all yeah. it was, it, and it was Democrats and Republicans got together in a bipartisan unity and passed these huge COVID relief packages. Well, who got most of that fucking money? Uh, the the top companies that didn't need it. Right. Like, right. the amount of COVID fraud, like, how much actually went to small well, dude, business? Well, look at, like, like some the, did, but the, we, we literally gave trillions to air, airliners. Yeah. It's like, what? Screw you guys. You've been bending us over a barrel exactly. for years, and you didn't bail out the regular man with the market at the corner that was more of an essential business than our flights. Okay, now— Well, you know, you know, one thing that I, I want to bring up on that tangent is— uh, you know how gas prices are off the fucking roof. Um, great time to buy a gas guzzler, guys. Um, just saw the other day that all the U.S. oil companies posted record profits. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Is there actually an oil shortage, or or are you just are you just trying to make an extra buck? What is real here? What is the reality? Dude, Pfizer made like eight hundred and fifty percent profit. Like yeah. they imagine making millions and going to your investors like listen i know that we just made trillions for the first time ever um and but who, for the, the same company of, that got us kicked, hooked on heroin or right all right of exactly like, <laughs> so for the sake of humanity we're gonna go back to making millions because they don't need this stuff anymore yeah. like okay um but back to wow we really got down a road the reality is this man the social aspect to the abortion problem is its own thing right I think you need to talk to the man. I think it's finally the woman's choice. Well, I think it's a community. Like, there was a great, I think it was uh, St. Thomas Aquinas had a great quote um, that was, um, the only one not to blame for an abortion is the mother, in that it's a community failure. Like, well, why, like if, it, if it's a money, if it's a, if it's a money issue, well, why do you have a society where it, a, a woman can't have a child and wow. raise it? Or, or if it's an issue of rape, why did that you, perspective? Why do you have a society where women are getting raped and, and incest is happening? Like it's all in, it's an avoidable thing. And my my philosophy and my belief on abortion is it's like what what Joe Biden said, you know, forever, which is in which is what the Democratic Party has believed since Roe v. Wade: safe, legal, rare. The abort it should be it it is a woman's choice. Why isn't should, he saying that now? Is it maybe because he's not in control of himself as he was before? Or why, why isn't he saying that now? I don't think he wants Twitter going after him. I mean, I think... Uh, as if Twitter's ever gone after him. Yeah. Dude, well, I'm want, reading tweets of his today, and I'm like, imagine... Of his? Of his he today. He those. Except, <laughs> dude, I'm reading this tweet, and I go, just imagine being the White House intern that's like, I... Am the president on Twitter? <laughs> like I am Joe Biden. It's yeah. just some like twenty-four-year-old that you know had to give a few hand jobs, but it's like I am the president, <laughs> and they're tweeting like you know, oh look, at, like the things he tweets. You're like, you did not type that. Yeah, you did well, that's not how type every that. White House Twitter was, and that was the big thing about Trump. Is like you're sitting here and like, dude, you know he fucking wrote yeah, because exactly. if any speechwriter got that. <laughs> Listen, yeah. hater or love of 
there was one beauty, and you know funny, that was coming from that dude's thumbs. Funniest, <laughs> funniest person to be president. I, I can't stand the man, but I will say, I've he made like there's so many times where he made me laugh. Where I'm just thinking, I, and there's so and think about it. There's so many probably like if you're growing up like with Trump. I mean, we were in college when Trump happened, but just seeing that, and I mean, I know myself. I'm thinking about. I'm like, I'm like. That dumb motherfucker is the most powerful man in the world. The dude who paid his way through Penn State. I could I could literally do anything if that mother if that dumbass can do it. But the other side to it is now we've got a guy who is clearly not in charge. Like if there is anything to attest to a deep state, it's the weekend at Bernie's dead guy that we're trying to pretend is not dead. I mean that was like Reagan's last two years in office. <laughs> Dude, all... we should not be letting the government get away with that. And that was a Republican. We should probably... We should be like, we should... <laughs> this should acknowledge that there are agencies we do not vote for that are making the decisions for us. And that means that... It, oh, no. All of these talking monitors are going to... Dude, I'm going to be run off the road one day, and it's going to be convinced to everybody that I was suicided or I killed myself in stupidity. The reality is it's because I'm telling you we need to dismantle the agencies, as they're listening to me, Put it on record. Dismantle the agencies, and we need to, uh, damn it, totally, um, oh, yeah, and we need to bring the power back to the people. Mm -hmm. The reality is we no longer have direct vote to our Well, I mean, both sides, and and this is one of the reasons, like, I I listen to Breaking Breaking Points as private news podcast I listen to every day. It's replaced all the traditional news, because they're they're real about it. It's a Democrat and um, Republican that that do it, Um, but... They're both like both sides are are in the pocket of, of the corporate elite. Like there's there's no there's no getting past that. I mean, uh, I mean you have uh, you know was it uh, Abbott that's a pu- that's a puppet of the oil industry uh, like Cruz. You also have Pelosi the who brought, voted down restricting stock, which I still think it's incredible that you can trade stocks, dude. In how Congress, about this? What's and they all mind? voted down. Hey, maybe we should take trade stocks in Congress. They're like, shut the fuck up, nerd. Every app that comes out that that tracks politicians' um, market spending yeah. is like deleted. They're like just deleting them from the market. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. How are they getting away with that? Yeah. That they're just, like, wiping. This is supposed to be a free market. And they're catching you doing insider trading, mm-hmm. and you're just wiping the app away. It, it, don't even get me started. I would be curious to ask you one question, now that I have somebody I could challenge yeah. ideas with. I don't think Ted Cruz is great. I don't. But I do think he is our best representation for the people in Congress because he's the only politician that's out here saying um, I my job needs term limits. Everybody hates him for that. He's the only one out here saying my job needs to be limited. Now, <laughs> is he stepping down and limiting himself? No. But again, I don't blame him if nobody else is. Like He's the only one in the building advocating for it. Furthermore, he was... To me, what I saw, if you would have watched the committee on the rioting during the twenty twenty, the summer of 2020, he was the only one asking the hard-hitting questions. I'm sorry, dude, but nothing looks more and more fake than January 7th or January 6th, the more this, this thing pans out. And I'm tired of talking about a thing 
that was curated by the police. <laughs> the police literally let people in, walked them through. The whole thing was a sham, and we are totally distracted from what was really going on that day, which was a legitimate debate by our representatives about the legitimacy of our our three states voted that you should not count our state's votes. That's a big deal. That's a big well, deal. Where where could you have that vote? What's that? With the with the three states not voting to officially. No, 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 I think no. it was, was but, a representative but, but vote. But the fact though. that we just cut that out, that the, the conversation stopped. And we're like, oh, it's over. Emergency. He's in. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Even if it still ends up the the electoral college votes him in, shouldn't it be worth discussion and at least broadcasting that three states in total do not believe their count is legitimate? Who knows where they would have voted in the end, but we were having a debate and so it was turned I, off. Well, so I, I would like to, to challenge that because the way that um, – that what happened on January 6th is so when you do send the Electoral College to Congress to vote, which was what they were doing that day, and then the Senate, led by Mike Pence, then um, then officiated the election. So that those electors have to be approved. Right. Now, there's some varying degrees on how they're approved. Like there's some that they're just directly picked based on the proportion. There's other that the state legislators. So it's something in that the the electors that they're sending the legis- the state's legislatures had to send had to approve that so that was approved and i think what what happened was maybe there were some representatives from some of those states that were challenging the legitimacy which we should hear and we did hear um, but for the most part do i think that the that the police and the fbi maybe weren't the most forthcoming on what happened yes i think there was a lot more i think there was a lot of undercover agents that were involved we're seeing yes. we're seeing that happen i think that the dc police completely fun i mean you look at when the black lives matter protest happened in january 6 the, the army was out there and then, oh. And they knew about this for weeks, dude. How yeah. do I get to sit at my kitchen table before this day <sighs> looking at my parents saying, yeah, January 6th is going to be wild. Yeah. How do I know that? So I'm be- supposed to pretend I, the government yeah. doesn't? So I believe I believe that it was a legitimate event. I do think that some of our intelligence and law enforcement agencies are overplaying it as a way. Like, think about again, the, the, the bill that passed right after January 6th was a giant um, multi-million, maybe even billion, I think it was multi-million dollar funding for the Capitol Police to help set, but it's like, they just failed in their primary job, which was protecting the Capitol and federal uh, federal elected officials. Now you want to throw more money at the problem, oh, they'll fix it now. So, I think there was some well, work Well, just as Joe Biden would say, I guess, uh, but defunding it isn't the answer either, right? Because he yeah. says the same thing. So, I, what's interesting though is you've got someone like Ted Cruz who then furthermore I'm so mad I'm going to have it on the screen because I'll be able to find it by the time I'm editing it I'm sorry I don't have it for you Paul since I don't really remember the guy's name I'm going to just cut to the clip itself thank you Mr. Chairman Mr. Olson how many people have been charged with crimes of violence in connection with the events on January 6th Senator, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, have been charged with crimes of violence. I know that there are many. Okay. How, how many have been charged with nonviolent crimes? I don't have the numbers of people charged, whether at the state or federal level. I know that. Okay. There how many been- people are currently incarcerated concerning the events of January 6th? I don't know the number of people incarcerated. Again, I know that. I, I how do many? Have- pe- okay. Let me ask you that. Look, we have limited time, so I don't want you to filibuster. You either know the answer or you don't. 
How many people have been placed in solitary confinement concerning the events of January 6th? I don't have any information about that, Senator. You know, Mr. Olson, I will say it was sad. Senator Lee just asked you about this. Back in June of 2021, Senator Lee and I and two other senators sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking these questions, asking about the differential prosecutions. Let me ask you, during 2020, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all across the country, there were over 700 police officers injured by Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence concerning those riots all across the country? I don't have information on how many. I, I would say, you know, hundreds of people. As Ms. You, you would say, but, but you don't know. You know, when we asked you why the Biden Department of Justice has such wildly disparate standards going after January 6th, targeting some people who committed crimes of violence, and anyone who commits a crimes of, of violence should be prosecuted, but also targeting a lot of nonviolent individuals. We asked you, why is it that you won't target the rioters and terrorists who firebomb cities across this country? The answer we got from the Department of Justice was shameful. On October 22nd, you came back and said, quote, the department has dedicated investigative and prosecutorial resources commensurate with the significance of these events. By significance, I guess it means the political benefit to the Biden White House. And I will tell you, there are a great many Americans who are understandably deeply concerned about the politicization of the Department of Justice under President Joe Biden. It has been 218 days since we sent you that letter. DOJ refused to answer the letter today when Senator Lee and I asked you about it. Your answer to every damn question is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're under oath. You may believe at the Department of Justice that you are unaccountable to the American people, but that is not the case, and the wildly disparate standards are unacceptable. Ms. Sandberg, I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably very concerned, concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, 
Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanborn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in the open door meeting, the closed door meetings, they are able to disclose that. Like, for example, the um, in the Gretchen Whitmer case with the, the, the kidnapping thing. Well, now, one actually, one of those, I think, got found was found not guilty. There were a few that get, that get found not guilty, but they were going into how the FBI informants were, like, really pushing these guys, like, to, like, from just, like, some anti-government militia to, yeah, we should fucking kill that woman. Um, like, there's a lot of evidence out there. And I'm not saying that these, are, these aren't extremists. Like, they but, are extremists, but, but, they like, are, but, they, but the FBI oftentimes, like, the same way there was some guy, it was some case in New York, they talk, like, Crystal and Sager on Breaking Points talk about it a lot, but one point they bring up is um, the FBI informant gave him the idea of it was either shooting up or like a bombing or something like that showed him how to do the materials showed him how to build the bomb and then as soon as he went like the guy even called his mom like saying like hey mom should i really suicide bomb myself something like that and and the informants like push him to do it and then they get him and then they trap him um so i think there is a degree of entrapment that could be at play um but i think we also need to understand that that two things can be true at once yes i think the i think the law enforcement agencies are misleading to a degree on what happened and what their informants played. I think they're always going to try and downplay how much their informants might have influenced. Sure, but we sure. also have to remember, at the, but at the same time, I do believe that there were extremists with the intent oh, to, yeah. to do some shit. I agree. I, I could definitely agree there, definitely. But yeah, dude, it's really interesting. That guy, He's they have a video of him before the night before January 5th he goes to some Trump rally and he goes tomorrow we have to storm the Capitol we need to break into that thing and they're all like no whoa dude no and then the whole crowd goes 
uh, oh, what do they chant? I'm going to put the clip in here now, too. Yeah, they, uh, oh, I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. But you also had Trump on January 6th saying, we're going to march to the Capitol. I'm not, but you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I will. Con- and, and back to my point. Yeah. But two I things think, can be true at once. Wait, we, can, wait, we can come to that. But tinfoil hat back on. I think if you don't think the evil entities behind Biden are the same evil entities behind Trump, then you're missing the big show. And the reality is they're just playing us like yeah. fools. The Clintons were at the Trump's wedding. They're all best pals. The reality is they are controlled well, opposition. And, and the whole thing and, with the woke corporations, that it's a marketing ploy. Like everyone's like Disney and, and Florida are battling at it. Yeah, but Disney's still going still gonna to lobby with both parties. I mean, all corporations do it. I think we're, we're lying to ourselves when we say, like with like the Googles and the Amazons and Facebooks in the world, like they're, they're profit, they have good sound political beliefs. No, they don't. They want to make money. Like, uh, like, what was Google? What was Google's first, uh, uh, like, catchphrase or slogan? It was like, "Don't be evil." Yeah. <laughs> they took out that part. They did. <laughs> it doesn't exist. But it's like, it's like, it's a corporation. They're after money. Like that doesn't like it, they can do evil shit. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have corporations or business. So we should. We should just re- like regulate them. Uh, like you have, uh, you know what cracks me up is, you know, Facebook there's, I don't know if you've ever seen it on like YouTube or I don't watch like cable TV anymore, but, um, I've seen ads where, and this is paid for by like Facebook and Twitter and all them where they're advocating, call your local congressman and legislate for social media regulation. It's like, even them, they're like, they're like, dude, this is getting, like, especially during 2020 and 2016, I think a lot of the social media companies are like, yeah, this is too expensive and hurts and hurts our image too much to try and self-regulate ourselves. Interesting. Which would be a good thing, because at the end of the day, we can't, we, I don't know. I want to say we're dealing, we're dealing with a modern problem. It's like you're trying, it's like you're trying to fix a a modern car and you've only worked on model T's. But See, part of it is, and I understand you got to have limitations. Mm -hmm. You can't just have a completely free reign. That's where the child porn and everything comes in. But the reality is there's something free to a Reddit, right? Whereas if you look at something like Twitter, Facebook, whatever, You've got two options, yeah. and I'm sorry, neither of them seem pretty. You either, like you said, go, we, please self-regulate, or you, we mm-hmm. want. If if it isn't the corporation self-regulating, then it's the government regulating yeah. them, and that is a George Orwellian future. Like that is exactly but, what that is. So the question is, if 
and that only that only happens when the people start losing control over the government, which we are. They are becoming their own company, and they do not have us at our our concerns at heart. Just their own financial, and and that's why they're bending us over a barrel and making. They're supposed to make two hundred thousand, one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, and yet. They own islands? Yeah. Someone explain that to me. You know, Biden was given an island outside of China. That was just a fluke. You know, nobody talks about the private island that he owns, just like Epstein. Nobody, no children. We're not going to make that. <laughs> but he's got his own island, and we're supposed to believe he did that off of making, what, $120,000 a year for 40 years? I, I mean, I don't doubt at all that, that Biden isn't corrupt. I mean, which career politician is I don't even isn't. just Biden. I just mean all of them. Yeah. So the reality is when you look at these people and you're realizing, listen, you're making hand over fist. You are sucking us dry. I lose half a paycheck. They get all of that money plus $500,000 to do a speaking event at some Saudi dude's house. So they're making a shitload of money taking advantage of us. I'm supposed to expect, as we're losing control over them, that they'll have the ability to properly control and they may be able to do that at first that's how the game works but who knows what this evolves into so you got to ask yourself if you can't trust the one entity i don't like facebook making the decisions because that zucky boy's a robot and then i don't <laughs> like the government making the decision because they're lying about what's in the grand canyon then who do we trust and that comes back to like the reddit situation where it's like maybe we try to do it where every Sorry, this might hurt your feelings, but maybe you let people dead name people. I know it hurts your feelings, but I think at the end of the day, if we just let everything happen, but you can't let everything happen, right? Because well, that's I, where the child porn comes in. It comes back well, to I think that we got to have limits. I think there's a good middle ground, which, yes, we should have a healthy skepticism of the government getting involved in anything. And I think that's something that gets lost, like, just... And I know it's now it's known as, you know, Democrats are the government of big government and, and Republicans are the government of smaller government. That's not necessarily true. Like, just because I'm a Democrat and a liberal, it doesn't mean I want a bloated, inefficient government. I would like accountability. I think there's a middle ground in that. Yes, there, the, the government can overreach like the NSA and CIA and stuff like that and start doing some creepy shit in our lives. But I think we'd all agree we don't want the FDA to go like, like I want to make sure that those eggs have bleach on them, okay? <laughs> nope. Like, so I think that there's some minimum, like, yeah, I think we should have someone regulating stoplights. Yes, there should, yeah, we should have that. Um, so I think we can take a middle ground in that. We should have a very restrained approach with, like, I think maybe like FCC kind of level, not... Not back right, in the day, because I mean, right. yeah, you think about it, the FCC is kind of powerless because everything's, We've taken every, everything's yeah. streaming. Um, but like, I, I think there's a good middle ground we can go to, but we should always remain skeptical. Hey, are you guys doing the right thing? And that's a, a skeptical population makes for a healthy democracy. But dude, here's the scary part, is when you catch them doing the wrong thing, that's the reality check I'm trying to confront. We've caught them doing the wrong thing, and there's... Literally no recourse. Well, before the big thing about Watergate was is um, a lot of American a lot of Americans didn't think like no, no. There, there's no way 
that the president of the most powerful country in the world, a demot would would be this some cor- using corrupt mob style tactics to win an election he already was going to win. Uh, yeah. uh, then it came out he did, and then there was the big disillusionment. Like that, and the, I forget what the, like the Malays era was. Americans, we were like we we lost, we pulled out of Vietnam. I won't say we lost Vietnam, but we we pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had you know the oil crisis, inflation. That's not no similarities here. But um, but you also had Americans didn't trust their government anymore. They were like, uh, well, I just saw they tried to you know buy an election and and and, and all that. Uh, and but I think it's incredible. Today, thinking about like, well, yeah, of course, of course, the government would do some shady shit like that. Like, of course, we've had just so much built up, but it's just amazing. Is imagine if we were in that early era, like, oh yeah, government couldn't be corrupt. Like wow. what? What like a Garden of Eden level of ignorance? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta make this quick for you, Paul, because it's getting chilly for you. Mm. All right, I'm just gonna present facts of the situation, and we can make of it what we want. Um, But here's the situation with the Grand Canyon, and this is absolutely mind-boggling. So Theodore Roosevelt loved the Grand Canyon. He visited visited modern-day area Lake Powell, which is going to become very significant. So remember Lake Mm -hmm. Powell. So during this time, Roosevelt would travel there all the time. The Grand Canyon, several times he would explore it, and he, he admired its beauty. How could you not? In 1908, he declared the Grand Canyon a national monument, and in 1919, the Grand Canyon became the status of a national park. Um, now, pay close attention to the dates, because this is, this is very significant between the 1908 and 1919 situation. Um, there is a chance this could be one of the biggest cover-ups known in the 20th century of the United States. Okay. So, in the early 1900s, a man named G.E. Kincaid, an archaeologist from the Smithsonian Institute, was hired to discover the western states. His trip consisted of several places, but one location may have changed the way we think of the Grand Canyon and our government organizations that research history. He started his trip in the Green River, Utah, Utah, on the Colorado River, through what's known as the Utah's Canyonlands. He had a companion and a wooden boat. Um, their plans were to float down the Colorado River to Yuma to document this unknown and unexplored area. In 1907, remember, gained its first status of national monument in 1908. So in 1907, there were no man-made structures like Lake Powell. There was nothing stopping them but nature itself. What was printed on the Arizona Gazette newspaper in 1909 is something that I found remarkably interesting. The Gazette News went on to talk about a lost city that G.E. Kincaid, hired by the Smithsonian, discovered after passing the area of Lake Powell's modern dam. Is that the, is that the Hoover Dam? Or no, no, no. That might be no. a little further down. You know what it may? Because the pictures they keep showing are the Hoover Dam. I'm pretty sure the Colorado... I know the Hoover Dam's on the Colorado... So I'm not from the West, okay? <laughs> I'm going to cut to future me that's going to iron out the situation of Lake Powell, the Hoover Dam, and all that. I think I can help with this Dan Dam dilemma. Leave it to older, smarter, sexier me to get us to the finish line. Also, shout out to anybody that got that Step Brothers reference at the beginning. But Quick geography lesson. If you take a look at the map over here, to the east of the Grand Canyon is the Glen Canyon Dam, which is holding up Lake Powell. 
Now, if you look to the west of the Grand Canyon, we have the Hoover Dam, which is holding in Lake Mead. Now, an interesting fact that I just want to leave with you as you continue on in this great, great episode, um, something that I just learned about today, smarter, older me, bestowing upon you some wisdom. Currently, oddly enough, they are draining Lake Mead to fill up Lake Powell. Interesting, considering Lake Mead is the lake they rely on for fresh water in Las Vegas, which they are short of water. What are you burying in Lake Powell? Continue. Throw up a picture of Hoover Dam right here. <laughs> um, what's interesting about all of that, though, is the Gazette News article went on to talk about that lost city that was discovered right by Lake Powell, or where the, where the modern dam was built. I'm going to quote the Arizona... So this is all the Arizona Gazette news. I'm going to read it to you because the... Um, a lot of the iterations, was, the digital the iterations, piece are hard of evidence that I I read. You sent me. The, yes, the I sent you the, the I Gazette. Did my own and um, this this was the, the digital iterations of it are kind of tough to read. So this is the Arizona Gazette. Explorations in the Grand Canyon, dated April 5th, 1909. The latest news of the progress of the explorations of what is now regarded by scientists as not only the oldest archaeological discovery in the United States, but one of the most valuable in the world, which was mentioned some time ago in the Gazette was brought to the city yesterday by G.E. Kincaid, the explorer who found the great underground citadel of the Grand Canyon during a trip from Green River, Wyoming, down the Colorado in the wooden boat to Yuma several months ago. According to the story related to the Gazette by Mr. Kincaid, the archaeologists of the Smithsonian Institute, which is financing the expeditions, have made discoveries that almost conclusively prove, prove that a race which inhabited the mysterious cavern hewn in solid rock by human hands was an orient was of oriental origin possibly from egypt tracing back to the ramses the ramses do you know who's related to the ramses um the cia agent the, nancy the gay pelosi the, oh man oh wait um the the cnn cia agent Oh, no, I know, I know you're talking. My cousin was in town from Las Vegas. They're really rich in New York, and they said yeah. they saw him at a party. They're gay. Dang it! What's his name? Anderson oh. Cooper. He's related to the Ramses. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about J. Edgar Hoover, the guy. That yeah, found no, the no, FBI. no. I'm modern there day. Are two gay FBI guys. <laughs> <laughs> the only two, <laughs> even though they all were and just hiding yeah. it. Okay. Um, if their theories are born out of the translation of the tablets engraved within the hieroglyphics, the mystery of the prehistoric peoples of North America, their ancient arts, who they were, and whence they came, will be entirely solved. Egypt and the Nile and Arizona and the Colorado will be linked by historical chain running back ages to which stagger the wildest fancy of the fictionist. Under the direction of Professor A. Jordan, the Smithsonian Institute is now prosecuting the most thorough explorations, which will be continued until the last link in the chain, which, which, is, which is forged. Nearly a mile underground, about 1,480 feet below the surface, the long main passage has been delved into to find another mammoth chamber from which radiates scores of passageways, like the spokes of a wheel. Several hundred rooms have been discovered reached by passageways running from the main passage, one of them having been explored from 854 feet and another 634 feet. The recent finds include articles that have never been known as native to this country and the doubtless 
and doubtless they had their origin in this Orient. War weapons, copper instruments, sharpened hard steel indicate that a high state of civilization reached by these strange people. So interested have the scientists become that preparations are being made to equip the camp for extensive studies and the force will be increased to the to 30 or 40 persons. Um, I'm going to just do a little bit more of this and then we'll move on. Mr. Kincaid's report. Uh, Mr. Kincaid was first a first white-born child in Idaho and has been an explorer and hunter all his life. 30 years have been in the service of the Smithsonian Institute. Even briefly recounted his history sounds fabulous, almost grotesque. First, I would impress the that the... This is a quote from Mr. Kincaid. First, I would impress that the cavern is nearly inaccessible. The entrance is at 1,486 feet down the sheer canyon wall. It is located on government land, and no visitor will be allowed there under penalty of trespass. The scientists wish to unmolest without... Want, wish to work unmolested without fear of archaeological discoveries being disturbed by curio or relic hunters. Um, a trip there would be fruitless, and the visitors would be sent on his way. The story of how I found the cavern has been re- related, but in paragraph, I was journeying down the Colorado River in a boat alone looking for minerals some 42 miles up the river from the El Taver cre- Crystal Cap canyon i saw on the east wall stains in sediment formation about 2000 feet above the riverbed there was no trail to this point but i finally reached it with great difficulty above a sh- above a shelf that hid from the view of the river was the mouth of the cave there are steps leading from this entrance some 30 yards to what was and at the time the cavern was inhabited which was at the level of the river when i saw the ch- um anyway this is how he discovered it. In brief, there's other paragraphs, and I'm going to do a short segment on this so you could go find the more details of this letter from there. But it talks about the passages and all the different, the mapping of it, the thousands of feet of caverns going through. The shrine, um, over 100 feet of the entrance is a cross hall, several hundred feet. Um, there's a giant Buddha Though the scientists are not certain as to what religious worship it represents, taking into consideration everything found thus far, that it is possible that the worship must, most resembles the ancient people of Tibet. Um, among other findings are vases, urns, cups, um, pottery, all of which resemble Egyptian artifacts. They found hieroglyphics and um, another source that I found said that they found hieroglyphics that were literally translations of hieroglyphics into common languages, French, English, otherwise. So it was like a translation of hieroglyphics to common language. Oh, like the Rosetta Stone. Like the Rosetta Stone, exactly, which is also, go figure, found in Egypt, right? The crypt. They found tombs. There's a tomb, a crypt, which mummies were found, uh, slanting back to the angle of 35 degrees. On these tiers are mummies, each accompanying a separate hewn shelf. At the end of each is a small bench on which the copper cups and pieces of broken swords. These all resemble the way of mummification back in Egypt. Um, Let's go to an Indian legend. This is interesting. In connection with the story, it is notable that among the Hopi Indians, the tradition is told that their ancestors once lived in an underworld in the Grand Canyon till 
dissensions arose between the good and the bad. The people of the one heart and the people of the two hearts, the Machetto, who was their chief, counseled them to leave the underworld, but there was no way out. The chief then caused a tree to grow up and pierce the roof of the underworld, and then the people of the one heart climbed out. They tarried by the Red River, which is the Colorado, and then grew grain and corn. Um... Yeah, so that was actually the what I the, the Hopi or yeah, Hopi. I, yeah, the Hopi Indians. That was one of the things I was looking into, which is more more my belief that what happened is, um, and I'm not an archaeologist, um, but <laughs> uh, well, trigger warning there. But um, but I that's one of the things where I'm thinking is what this story is is it sounds like um, because there's been a there's a long history of of like whitewashing history, but it's also you have that that settler's narrative of the gentle savage. Whereas now we, we know like, Hey, there were cities in the Mississippi that were larger than European cities and right. complex. Uh, there's, um, there's another, we were talking beforehand. Uh, I can't recall the, the name of the, the Indian tri- or the native American tribe, but, um, they, in, they had cities that were carved right out of the sides of mountains. And then they, they died out before settlers got there. Um, but I think it might be a very, um, they they look at all these artifacts and stuff, and maybe the hierogly- the hieroglyphics things. That's that's really interesting. I'd re- I'd love to read more about that. But I think what it might be is that we just we don't want to attribute such advanced technologies and and ways of civilization to people that we relegated and still do to you know desert plots of land. And so I think that it might be you know, part of, like, the Hopi Indian tradition that they're just like, oh, they can't be Native Americans. It's got to be Egyptians. But on the off hand, I do recognize that I believe, and I could I could be wrong, once again, not an archaeologist or pre, pre-civilization historian, but I think that the Bering, the Bering Sea Bridge, the connection between Eurasia and, and America was still around when, like, the Egypt, because people don't realize how old the Egyptians are, like, the Egyptians were like ten thousand years old when the Romans happened. Like, it's similar, like the same length. Like they're more ancient than what we saw the Romans as. Um, so it could be possible that I mean, that's the people that got to America were people from Eurasia that traveled over. So I think that's entirely possible. Uh, but it's it's an interesting. I've never heard the story before. But like as soon as you sent it to me, I'm never like big in those stories. But I was like, okay, I got to dig into this. There's no way. Um, but yeah, I think there's more to dig there. I I. Th- could definitely see there being hubris involved, but I also think that is this new modern leftist narrative of white guilt because I also believe we use utensils, we have yeah. civilianship, we have uh, laws of war. Everything was taken from other civilizations. I mean, to, to deny how much of our civilization was affected by the Mongols, the Indians, a lot of it... it vast majority of it is of European creation. That was also because that's where we came from, and that's also yeah. uh, the people that were doing the exploration at the time. So, well, actually, I, we they came have, from Africa was the, were the first people, or the oldest. Well, the yes, oldest the oldest people. Yeah. But, but I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, this new modern world, you could say, okay, there's bits of uh, German culture, English culture, all the... And, yeah. I, and, and again, I would concede a vast majority of it is European, but I also don't think that is something I I don't think we're as I know we want to because we want to be portrayed as good and caring that like we want 
to be like, hey, we were dumb here because we just preserved white hubris. Yeah. I just think it was either stupidity or nefarious approaches. I, I don't need it to come from white people for me to fi- feel... Plenty of... Black people have lived in this country and found value in themselves and well, were painted this picture of, you know, look at white baby dolls and all this stuff. Yeah. And I don't think a human being needs well, to I'm know not, it came from people that look like I'm them. I'm not going off of, like, that's something recent. It is something going back to the 1909. Well, not, not even 1909, right. going back to, like, the 1400s, the 1500s. Right. Like, and it was that we were... Because um, it was part of it with how the Spanish easily over, you know, overtook a lot of these Native American civilizations, playing them against each other, and it's just thinking like Disease. how superior we have to be to these people. Like they weren't even civil. Like we were like they weren't even civilized when they got here. It was an argument used when the Europe when the Europeans and Americans in Liberia colonized Africa. It's and a great point. And boy, would it screw up that narrative if they were yeah. highly civilized and just like us. You know, Come we find out. We're more cities, superior than us. Cities in pre-Columbian, in pre-Columbian America, were cleaner and better managed than European cities at the time. Oh, that's so. Funny. I think that's where I'm going. I'm not going on like a recent narrative. Not that white supremacy and settlers stuff didn't exist in 1909, but my point is that it's so far strung in in our mind because what was. What was Manifest Destiny? Settling the frontier. Well, right. there can't be civilization in the frontier. Right, yeah. right. And even if it is, it's just a bug in yeah, our way. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's just these India, it's it's Native Americans. They just live in, like, little tribes, and it's just not a very advanced civilization where, in reality, they, It was. Yeah. Well, so, uh, now, to so that was an Arizona Gazette that came out in 1909, um, now, I have an article here. I'm going to put the whole thing up, and I definitely suggest you going through. You can read the rest of the Gazette there. I'm going to have the link in the bio. Um, but documented by Timothy Draper, he goes on to say, One of the biggest things that I found strange was that the known newspaper, like the like a, or that a known newspaper, like the Arizona Gazette, published an article about a great and wonderful underground Egyptian city hidden in the Grand Canyon, and then nothing. There were no more articles, no more follow-ups, or other newspapers that wrote about this. The information was just gone. I must ask myself, why was this article even written? Was it another article that had no grounds or rights to speak of, or is it something else? I tend to believe that if something doesn't seem right, then it probably isn't. I decided to take on this story and spent over eight years researching anything that I could find. Eight years of research, and I have found many resources and information, but it has been has it been enough? That depends on the eye of the beholder. I do think I have the area narrowed down within a two-mile stretch, and I feel that I could be just in the right place. The area is south of the Lake Powell Dam and several miles along the Colorado River. There's This area goes along with what the Arizona Gazette description had provided, and I believe that because the East Canyon walls are owned by the Navajo Indians, there is a good possibility that I have the correct spot. I have also found short and what seemed at the time pointless documents from the digital library of of a university in Arizona. After some time, I started to believe that the documents are not pointless and that they were just vague. This is another point in my research where I pondered on taking the face value of the information. Another thing that I found interesting was that a temporary tramway was constructed and used. 
What was it used for? This location of the tramway was too far away for the use of, con- of its construction to be for the Lake Powell Dam. What was the tramway used for? This could be another clue to the mystery. The more I dug into the story to see how I could prove or disprove its credibility, the more I found confusing information. When I start finding conflicting information like this, I start to wonder if there can be some truth to the story. Okay, so now you got to ask yourself, why would this information remain hidden from the public? What would the reason be? Let's start off with the government. Why would they have any incentive to possibly hiding this from the co- from the public? I would say that the biggest reason would be because it would change the history as we know it. A lost city that has similar statues as Egypt and China would not go along with what we know as history in North America. There are many accounts of the Spanish voyaging to America, but not Egyptians or Chinese. One reason I suspect is that the story could be hidden from the public would be that they wouldn't want explorers and adventurers traveling to the Grand Canyon looking for clues into what might be a dangerous environment. Um, also, we know what it's like on Black Friday mm-hmm. for Americans and people running around and doing whatever they can to get a bargain. Treasure hunting can be the same way when people think they have a chance to strike it rich. Keep thinking of that, the beginning of the third Indiana Jones movie. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what I'm thinking the guy, that's what I'm thinking the guys are. The, so last thoughts, last thoughts. Yeah. Let's say that this story has no real meaning, and it's nothing but a story, something to spice up a good hunt. It's still an interesting thought. At this point, I cannot confirm or deny the story's legitimacy. If it's true, everyone's life would go on and nothing would change. Or Sorry, if it's not true, everyone's life would go on and nothing would change. No harm, no foul, just fake news. If the story is true, then I would say we have a lot to lose when it comes to our history government cover-ups, and something new to see and learn. For some of you that, that are new to the stories like this, it may seem impossible, but to others, this story seems like it could be real and someone should do something about it. Um, here's what's crazy. When you start going down the rabbit hole of like, you know, oh my God, the conspiracy theories in Antarctica and stuff, then you start asking like, wait, why can't I see Antarctica? Like, why can't I go there unsupervised? What happened? Like, we used to live in a world where everything was just, like, free game. Nobody's been there before, so well, just you, go check no, it out. You can. Like, they do, have, go. they do have Antarctic cruises that do Cru- go. But you can't go unsupervised. Yeah. You can't go unsupervised. There's actually a... a well, I, can't, I can't go to the Bahamas without taking a boat, and I don't know how to drive a boat, so i got to pay a cap. Right, but, I, I, but I, I, there I, is a global pact... This isn't just America. There's a global pact that was signed in, look at the year on the screen, um, that all the countries, there's like 70 countries that agree to, you are not allowed to go there. It will be legally enforced by these countries. And the pact is you have to have government permission to go there. Well, a big, so a big reason on that is, uh, is, and we have, we're actually, before the Russia-Ukraine thing was the mainstay of the U.S.-Russian relationship was the the pack was is that we wanted to end not that you can really settle like the Arctic and Antarctic but the big worry was that um, you know we we wanted to make it stable so like Antarctica is going to be used for you know for its own purposes like and now we're discovering in the Arctic as all the ice caps are melting holy crap there's a lot of hydrocarbons up there and Russia has been getting aggressive with that so that's where I see is the main 
justification with why travel to those areas are restricted because it's like, well, we don't want it becoming like a U.S. resort or some important Russian business or some important French business. And then the French are like, well, um, yeah, this may be an international zone, but we're making billions in tourism or ecotourism and stuff like that. So that's where I see the inspiration to the Arctic. But my thing on the the Native American I- I issue is is one thing might be if the discovery was disclosed, would that have jeopardized, like, because, you know, Grand Canyon's National Monument, stuff like that. I wonder, if, would it have jeopardized the Lake Mead project, would it, the Lake Powell project? Maybe it was covered up as a way to keep, like, well, Native American groups. I want to get the, to the Lake Powell, Lake Mead. Yeah. I would imagine, so they said they made the dam so <laughs> states in the desert could have water. Yeah. That makes sense, but it's also so perfectly placed, and I want to get to Lake Powell because it ties into some current events, but it's like Lake Mead, Lake Powell, these are two lakes that also are conveniently placed right where there's evidence that you might want to drown and hide from the public. Like, if you had a conscious, proactive effort to hide this, what a perfect place to build a dam (laughs) and send that shit underwater. But here's what's interesting about the Smithsonian so they played a part in this because they hired GE. So that article was brought to us by Treasure in America, uh, written by, again, Timothy Draper, the researcher. Um, but it presents to us the article itself, the Arizona Gazette, that spoke about this. And they write about GE Kincaid. According to the Smithsonian, no record exists of Kincaid or Pres- Professor Jordan within this. And this is a totally different website article conversation. No record exists of Kincaid or Professor Jordan within the Smithsonian's Department of Anthropology, nor is there a paper trail at the Smithsonian detailing the artifacts gathered on the expedition when was asked by Kincaid's claims, a Smithsonian Institute representative once said, well, the first thing I can tell you before we go any further is that no Egyptian artifacts of any kind have ever been found in North or South America. Therefore, I can tell you that the Smithsonian Institute has never been involved in any such excavations. Um, Now, what's interesting is that the conspiracy theorists believe that the Smithsonian was the one, was the entity that destroyed all this evidence. That would go back to why they created a tramway that had nothing... At the same time they're building this dam to drown everything, they build a tramway far enough away that it would not benefit them in the construction of the dam, it's not bringing equipment and so people. So it wasn't a way to like extract. So what were you extracting? It. Yeah. it wasn't for tourist purpose. So some they would were digging believe. for gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Perfect area to That's do what it. I thought like full stop. Like when when uh, the Kincaid article was talking about, I was going through the river looking for materials. <laughs> I'm thinking of forty. I'm looking for gold in them there. You know? <laughs> the gold rush, and then I found a sphinx. <laughs> I said, shit far. I'm a millionaire. And then they drown his ass in Lake Mead. And then Mead. they drown in Lake Mead. Uh, so what's interesting is the belief is, you know, they destroyed all the evidence and that that's what the tramway's purpose was. It is possible that Kincaid, if he existed, worked under the false name, as the Arizona Gazette article mentions, his hunt for the mineral a euphemism for gold. That Theodore Roosevelt made the extraction of gold from the Grand Canyon illegal in 1908 when he deemed the canyon a national forest. So there's a chance that maybe this was just a fake dude to yeah. begin with. Um, but it still kind of questions the legitimacy 
of the Gazette itself. So, real quick, I'm going to, just because this had some pretty cool, I just want to show you things that were found there. Okay, so this is called the Isis Temple. Look at that. It's a curved. ISIS. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, demonetized. Ooh, and, and <laughs> ISIS was here in 1908, too. No. So if you could see, there's a 90-degree mm-hmm. angle on there, and it has this giant, like, curved arc. Now, you would make the argument that that was carved out by the rivers, but that seems deliberate. Here's one of the entranceways believed to be one of Kincaid's uh, discoveries. Now, what's interesting is this is totally off limits. You're not allowed there. I was telling Paul before, or actually I was talking to another, I was talking to Jake Lathrop, one of our fraternity brothers. I was talking to him before the podcast, and I was telling him, there are laws that if you're taking a rapids tour, like you're on a, a water rapids tour, you know, you're going whitewater rafting. If you fall out of the boat, it's illegal to even be shoreside. So if you fall out of the boat and go to save yourself on the shore, you'll get arrested and banned permanently from the Grand Canyon. So this this had multiple entrances, right? Multiple. Okay, it's a giant okay, okay. cavern. Kind of think of it like a wheel, um, like a pirate's wheel. And they had... So if you get caught on the shoreline, you're arrested. Mm-hmm. Two guys in this area by Lake Mead were the, or Lake, Lake Powell where they I think, think that might happened. be one of those laws like jaywalk because it's like, well, first of all, how is that federal agent going to get down there? Yeah, yeah, come <laughs> get me. But also, I got to believe like Area 51, if it yeah. is something that they truly want to police, there's people policing it you don't even know. Like yeah. when my dad and I went to go see the All-Star game in St. Louis in 2007, Obama threw out the first pitch. Dude, everybody was cursing it because it took us like, three hours to get in that baseball stadium with security and everything. And you saw what was crazy cool about it. You could just see the agents just, like, in the city. It was like, where's Waldo? You would just see them, like, on that building here. They were everywhere. So last time uh, when— And those are the ones you could see. Yeah, so whenever presidents is like uh, Trump, Bush, Obama, all that. So I think it was uh, Obama that was visiting Cincy. Well, at the time I knew someone that— that worked at the airfield where Air Force One and Marine One were. So I got to go right up close to Marine One with, like, two Secret Service guards that were watching it. But that was it. And it's just like – and then, like you are saying, you see whole stadiums. It's like, you know the right guy. You can get him pretty close. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, okay, so here's what's interesting. The Smithsonian is taking the position that this guy doesn't exist. There's no record of him. We didn't – he didn't work for us. And – there were no artifacts from that location, so it's all BS. Or maybe, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, maybe the if there were actual Egyptian artifacts, I'm saying, what if? Uh, what if they just relabeled? I think the oldest mummy in the world is in the Smithsonian. Yes. There's a lot of Egyptian artifacts in the Smithsonian. I don't know. I could So see. those could be them, <laughs> yeah, right? You never like, know. <laughs> great point on top of it. So here's what's interesting is, so what I'm going to kind of display to you is what we have at our fingertips, the evidence of what is been retained from the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So here's a Buddhist, a picture of a Buddhist statue. Um, these are, now here's what's interesting. This, go, this lends to um, Paul's point specifically. Paul... Wants, wants to suggest maybe the Smithsonian's collection of Egyptian artifacts were actually Grand Canyon artifacts being portrayed as Egyptian. Here are the pure gold artifacts that match yeah, this, Kincaid's Egyptian I might, findings. I might challenge the, the, the Buddha statue there just because there's... Um, 
I could have swear, I believe that there is a Smithsonian Museum with that exact display right there. That that's I'll question that. Now that I believe the cuneiform tablet that looks one hundred percent legitimate. Now, my only issue is that you don't see lo- location tags here. That's my right. big problem with the Egyptian right. artifacts because this. Well, no. So to me, I think that lends to your point. That could easily just be. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was saying. Egyptian Cause artifacts. Because I, I look. Yeah, full style. I looked through that that camera store. It's, it's, I'll have to turn it back on. So here, I'll do it. Okay. Quick. But, uh, and full, so I did, I did look through all of this beforehand. So I'm, um, but yeah, I think that, that's where I got the idea thinking that, well, if they did find it, if they were in fact Egyptian artifacts, instead of destroying them, why not just say, oh, we, we found it in Egypt. Right. <laughs> so I, that's, that's where I, like, I see with that. But th- this one down here, the cuneiform tablet, that looks like. Something that could be Mesoamerican. Well, so here's a picture of Kincaid himself. Okay, so these are the first American, because there's the jury's out on Mm -hmm. G.E. Kincaid, the first American explorer archaeologist that searched the Grand Canyon was John Wesley Powell, who the lake was named after. And then this is a Colin picture Powell? of him. <laughs> and then this is a picture with him with Jacob, Jacob Vernon Hamblin, um, a, a person that served as his partner while they discovered it. But Powell worked as an explorer archaeologist for the U.S. Department of the Interior and was the director of the Bureau of Anthology and the, Smiths- the Smithsonian Institute. Just interesting that the lake that they used to drown the area is named after the Smithsonian representative that was the only true person that they're saying uh, searched the place. Now, if you're really paying attention, you're probably asking yourself, wait a second, when asked about Kincaid and Professor Jordan, didn't the representative from the Smithsonian's Department of Anthropology say, quote, well, the first thing I can tell you before we go any further is that no Egyptian artifacts of any kind have ever been found in North or South America. Therefore, I can tell you that the Smithsonian Institute has never involved themselves in any such excavations. Any such excavations. Curious. Didn't you fund on documentation Mr. Powell and his escapades through the Grand Canyon and his findings. But John Wesley Powell discovered what is now called Powell's Cave. And um, this following a quote directly taken from a book that Powell published. In this canyon, great numbers of man-made caves that are hollowed out. I first walked down a gorge to the left of a cliff and climbed to a bench of the cliff. Kind of like G. E. Kincaid said. There was a trail on the cliff bench that was deeply worn into the rock formation where the trail crossed some glut gulches, some steps had been cut out. I had seen no evidence that the trail had been traveled in a long time. I turned to our camp I returned to camp around 3 p.m., and the men had found more Egyptian hieroglyphics on cliff walls near the cave. We explored the cave and found this shrine and other artifacts. That evening, I spent sent the team to notify the Smithsonian Institute of our discovery. We continued to survey the canyon and discovered more Egyptian tunnel cities. I estimate in my report that I think upwards of 50,000 Egyptians had inhabited the Grand Canyon at one time. The shrine, And then here's a shrine found in Powell's Cave. This was identified as the Shrine of Septurine, spe- sometimes spelled, yeah, whatever, who cares, different ways. Um, and 
this was found in the Grand Canyon. The hieroglyphics Powell's team found um, is a diagram from the Egyptian writings system when the Egyptians came from the Grand Canyon. It was a school tablet used for researching Egyptian children or teaching Egyptian children how to read and write. So here's, that's the cave, that's the uh, shrine, and then here's the tablet they would use to teach Egyptians. This is what's wild, dude. They also discovered in the rock vaults with statues. And again, this is Powell. This is this is well, acknowledged so that, by so the Smithsonian. Picture, that's Cambodian right there. That's uh, or Khmer. Um, so that right there, that statue, that particular headdress is is a Khmer design right there, which would fit the. the and again, statue. that's why I think they want us to feel like people are so much more segregated. I think mm-hmm. you look at we're seeing a merge of Buddhism, Egyptian, all of these different cultures. I think it was way more unified than they want us to believe. Um, did you know that all of the monuments in the Grand Canyon are named after Egyptian pharaohs? And this is also... That, now, that's what got me. That's what got me. Is, is This famous canyon in Arizona is actually an ancient array of pyramids. The sites even align with the same stars that the pyramids in Giza align with and the constellations of Orion and Pleiades. So... Just look at, dude, the tomb. Look at that statue. And then here is a collection of photos that show um, the Arizona correlation of these tunnels with Orion and that in Egypt. So now this this style right here, that that looks directly derived from the style of... Um, so there were, if you remember when Afghanistan... Ha- well, not Afghanistan... There were a lot of these exact type of statues, rock carved directly like this in Afghanistan. They were all blown up by the Taliban, uh, who were not big fans of archaeology. So, so dude, so it's crazy. You got to watch downvoting jo- the Taliban for that one. There, you know? There's an episode of Joe Rogan watching the Taliban blowing that stuff yeah. up, and he literally comes to tears. Well, like, I mean, it's like it's it's a, yeah, it's a huge deal. That's like, human. That's human history. I mean, that like yeah. But, um, it's but yeah, that cry. I do see derived from that Afghan Buddhist style. And then, okay, this was the, the, the star map one? Okay. Yes. And then following that, here are, um, you know, at least supposed cave entrances to the canyon. Um, for, and then further hieroglyphics um, that they find that are more easily accessible. But why is this, like, interesting today? Um, why do I find interest in this? So first... I want to bring your attention to the, a picture that I have here of Lake Powell. Lake Powell in July 1999 versus Lake Powell in September 2021. And just look at how far the water level has gone down. So why is that interesting today? Okay, so the one guy that goes and discovers all of this stuff has in his books and writings that there's all this Egyptian truth down there. They drown it for a lake that they're going to supply water to the people with and name it after the guy that searched the whole area. And now there's a huge water problem in Arizona, Nevada. Which I would just like to point, this is how you pay for the water shows at the Bellagio. 
<laughs> like I think it's hubris because I think like like all the cover ups and dead bodies and stuff and Lake Powell. I think the the hubris was is that they were thinking like there's no way we'd run out of water. And then uh, and hey, we kind of fucked up and we ran. We doing drank like three shows a day. Yeah. Just drank. We, we drank all the water. <laughs> <laughs> so now Lake Powell and Lake Mead are at record low levels. And so looking at Lake Powell, um, it's sinking to a level near 1965. So it's it's gone way down, and what's interesting is they're finding dead bodies. The most notable was a dead body in like a barrel with a bullet wound to the back of his head. So they want to paint the picture that, oh, all the dark secrets of Las Vegas are coming up, all the mafioso stuff. But also think about the area. What if these were explorers? What if these were people that saw too much? And what's interesting and why this sparked my interest, Paul, I'm telling you, I would never have picked up the book. I would never have started reading into this if I didn't keep seeing the same picture of the same Sphinx that was reportedly just found um, now that the water level's gotten low enough, some people are going an unbeaten pass and they're not allowed to go to, and a mini sphinx was found. Can't find anybody legitimizing this story. Can't, like, it is... So it was co- like covered up by the lake. And who then, knows, okay. who knows? As of now, it could just be some internet bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it's so weird, dude. Probably because the algorithm's got me put in a conspiracy box and it's already got me thrown away. Hey, but it's hey like, if you like Egyptian conspiracy videos, you're going to love Egyptian conspiracy exactly. videos. <laughs> <laughs> that YouTube so algorithm at It work. is pushing it hard. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to start. What's with the Sphinx? And that's what got me starting to read about how people are finding Egyptian hieroglyphics. And Walt, you hear that coyote? Wow. I hope the microphone. Ooh, that's a noisy old cow out there. I hope the microphone's picking that up. Like this is a, ah! Welcome to the woods in Ohio, yeah. folks. So what's interesting is you or he knows that we're on to something. Yeah. Ah! It's, a drone. it's a drone. <laughs> It's calling for backup. <laughs> so what's interesting is what I think the alarm for them is that things are being discovered. Now, is it dead bodies? Is it, Or it could be a legitimate water shortage, and they're worried about the water shortage. But it's just so interesting, the timing of all of this. I'm starting to dig into this only because there's this alarming effect of, oh, wait, you guys are seeing too much. And now I'm wondering, what were you bearing? What, what did you put underwater there? And it's seeming like there was something you were putting underwater there. Yeah. Um, you know, so the skeletons they found in Lake Mead, that's the guy with the bullet wound in the back of his head. I would say that there's a good chance. This is from uh, one of the, I don't know, National Park representatives. Well, I mean, and, and, and the bullet hole stuff, like finding bodies with bullet holes, like that's the easiest way to identify bodies and, and circumstances because of how good forensic scientists are. They can they can look at like a skull with a bullet hole and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I was a Smith and Wesson twenty two, made in nineteen fifty four. Like they like that that level of nerd precision. Right. Um <laughs> right. uh but yeah, well, I, I would love to see more details on that. And then dude, the conspiracy always goes back to you had the Great Library of Alexandria. So that's where all of the answers to the world were hidden. Press have to pay respect. And you got to ask why every major civilization in human history sought to taking over that location. 
Um, we could go down all the conspiracy rabbit holes of Nikola Tesla and the significance of the pyramids, their shape. What were they really used for? Did you really think they were burying dead bodies in them? There, There's definitely more to what's going on there. There was definitely a greater understanding of this planet when building them because the dimensions of the pyramid are directly... Uh, well, have you ever seen you ever seen the show or the movie and show Stargate? No. I got it. I got it. So the... the, the premise of the story is is that they go they go back in like they find some title why the stargate and they go and they take it to another world which is just like egypt and it turns out like the pyramids are landing vehicles for the alien real off the wall I, i'm a stargate fan so that's why i bring it up but that's that you know that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome and i do think there's definitely grains of truth in all of it yeah. i definitely do um so there's there seems to be a hidden truth to to our past. Why is that? You got to ask yourself why. What is being hidden there? Um, I think I've barely scratched the surface of this topic, and I intend on going deeper. But as of now, you know, I think we just need to focus on the fact that we don't have yeah. baby formula, <laughs> mommy milkers. So, what are your final thoughts? Yeah. So I definitely think now. Do I do I believe that it's Egyptian artifacts and all that? I don't. I'm not necessarily of that camp. But I do think that it is. It is true that we have had things hidden from history, whitewashed from history, specifically whitewashed from history, to put forth the the like the white man settler myth of hey, like I was mentioning before. Manifest Destiny was very contingent on the fact that it's uncivilized, untamed wilderness, so we can't, we have to cover up all the facts that there was actually a civilization here that we genocided um, at the end of the day uh, to clear it out. You know, like I said before, Mississippi had larger cities than Europe. Um, but I think it isn't, so that's where I think a lot of these new facts are coming out is we're, we're finally redressing a lot of the things in history. Now, is everything out? no. There's still some stuff from the JFK assassination. <laughs> Dude, I was this close to bringing it up again. Back to yeah. the accountability. When you catch your government red-handed, I've brought this up on the podcast before and I'll never stop. I don't care what you think about the JFK situation. He was murdered or shot in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. The Dallas coroner had jurisdiction over examining the body. And the, um, what's his special well, I believe forces? that was a... Um, I think that was a... Um, the Secret Service, real quick. So yeah. the Secret Service throws the Dallas corner against the wall and illegally seizes his body. I don't care how much later after the fact, 60 years or not, when you have the government deliberately breaking the law, breaking jurisdiction, this agency that's out of our representation and control... Where's our Where's our recourse? Like well, we're supposed to expect that we can we when we have them red handed, we can hold them accountable. I'm sorry, dude. The facade of our representation and control is nothing more than that. It is just a show and song and dance. We have lost our control over these people because in those situations, when you've got Fauci lying under, we've got you lying. Did you? fund and your lab partake in gain-of-function research. If under oath you say no, that's a lie. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't get to say, were you at... Okay, 
We're accusing you of murder. Were you at the supermarket on April da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Whether I murdered the person or not, if I say no and you've got a video of me doing it, yeah, you're not a credible it's witness. perjury. That's criminal. You go and it doesn't not a credible witness. That that's its own effect on the, the trial, and the trial goes on. But you've committed a crime now. Well, I mean, You're going to be prosecuted. That's how Clinton was impeached, not indicted, but because it was perjury of Congress. Right. Um, with the JFK thing, I think that was an interesting case of, well, who does have jurisdiction over the federal. The, right. The, it the, was a giant the, yeah, chaos. Of yeah. So everybody. I know that was a real fight. And, You're right. And You're right. Whether, whether like, the, the truth But when of you JFK get it wrong, when but do we get our recourse? Facts. There's fishy facts. Like, what's that one uh, Keith or Sutherland movie about the the Louisiana prosecutor that does that case you can't not watch that movie and like and then like at the end of the three hour movie be like smoking like like chain smoking cigarettes like you're goddamn right it was the Pentagon <laughs> but there are there are questions and that's what I one of the things I enjoy about conspiracy theories is that there is like you said a grain of truth yeah now whether whether the the, the Egyptian story is is true or not? I do think there is something there. There was there was something covered up. Well, why would you cover up evidence of civilization here? Was it you know was it to degrade you know our value of Native Americans, which we still undervalue and and you know hold in society? I mean, the statistics on Native American communities is horrific. I mean, look at reservations how they're un, unfunded. So I think there's a variety of factors at play. I agree. I agree. And I'm not saying But it's okay. I think but I think it's awesome to question. So here's the thing. My position, I don't think it's like Egypt was here and there and it was all e- what I do think is there was more to those civilizations. Yeah. There was they, say, had they more were influence way more sophisticated. Other, other Atlantis, yeah. I definitely think existed. Socrates wrote about it. He supposedly visited it. Mm-hmm. I think there were highly probably more civilized and technologically savvy civilizations than what we are today. Um, I'm going to put a quick video in the corner and we'll go down this rabbit hole another day. Civilizations that didn't have baby formula. But dude, have you seen, uh, (laughs) like, there's videos of people, like, using pan drums and, like, picking up solo cups with the sound waves of the drum. They can... And it will lift a cup up. And they're like... You think a bunch of Jewish Jewish slaves carried like dragged a freaking stone? No. They were way more sophisticated than us and they were able to levitate and push this stuff. That's my belief. Yeah. Is I think there was a whole nother world and it was too strong, too powerful. They need to keep us stupid. Like it was defeated. Who knows what happened in well, the Great who needs Reset? To keep Could it be aliens? Could it be exactly? Yeah. But exactly. I think all of those things may have had a part. But the reality is, I don't. I just think there was a more sophisticated civilization after before us, mm-hmm. and we're trying to hide it. That way we could just think we were all monkeys. We all came from a <laughs> the fish, stone date theory, and yeah. and we just became this thing. And we're all just we're all meaningless. Your life is useless. You're one in a trillion, and you know that's why. Just go do drugs, do whatever you want, because life's meaningless. Your mission is to consume. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I took you way late, and I apologize for that. Oh, you're but good. I appreciate it was a wonderful conversation. an incredible conversation. This literally was everything I could have hoped for and more. So I hope to do it again soon. I appreciate your time. Guys, I say this every time. Thank you for giving us your time. I hope we, if we made you think, if we made you laugh, the, the best thing you could do is share this podcast. Um, to catch all of our Rethink Tank content, you go to www.rethinktankpodcast.com. Otherwise, like I said, the best thing you could do to support this show, if, if we delivered today, is share the episode.
Take that link, throw it on your on your Facebook, whatever. Send it to a friend because if you liked it, it's likely they're going to love it too. Um, but again, guys, I appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Yeah. Call your mother. <laughs>